everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Liam Land. So um, I started a game of Dragon Warrior Monsters lately. I'm mostly, I'm mostly a noob at this, as I've never beaten a game before. Uh, I've only ever played about halfway through, and I named one of my monsters Matt in honor of you. Thank um, you. He's, he's a Flora man. Uh, because it sort of sounds like someone saying Florida man really fast. Um, so I'm actively recruiting a tree face to have a Wootus, but uh, but just to, just a heads up, if, you're, if your stats match up, I'm going to have to breed you two. Lovely. So you pick the guy who's a hard, woody tree face, and I'm the delicate flower man, and they're going to breed? Yeah, it seems about right. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I actually think uh, Florida, Florida man was a... Uh, shortened versions since they had to squeeze it in back then of florida man you know those translators they were really on point back in the late 90s yeah that predates that meme by quite a bit but maybe they were just they had incredible foresight they were ready (laughs) (laughs) so our guest today is a very active dragon quest youtuber and tweeter if you're a dq fan surfing youtube you're bound to have seen his videos Uh, joining us is today is the chief of sax himself sack chief uh hey thanks for having me on guys Ah, our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. You know, during our last podcast, uh, we were talking about Dragon Quest Seven on the 3DS, and Liam mentioned one of his uh, biggest regrets was he could no longer interact with the sacks that were hanging on the wall in the game. So uh, In the 3DS glad... version. Yeah. yeah, the 3DS. So we're glad that you're here today, and this isn't a 3DS version of our podcast, and we get to interact with you, Sack Chief. Oh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> So on uh, on DQFM, you mentioned that uh, Dragon Quest Eight was your first DQ game. Uh, beyond Eight, what what was what was your second and third game that really got you into the series? So obviously there was a long hiatus between Eight and Nine. It was like what five years, something like six years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I liked Eight a lot. It made me a fan. Uh, I kind of Nine kind of reignited it a little bit. I didn't I didn't play uh, the remakes of the Zenithian uh, games until after I picked up Nine. Then I started tracking down the Zenithian games. So Nine in 2010 was me and my brother picked that up, and we were like really obsessed with it. It, it kind of reignited the whole Dragon Quest passion and all that stuff. So that was what brought me back in. Nine was my my second game in a series. Then afterwards, I went back. I I picked up five, and then I picked up four, and then we I was there launch day for six. Yeah, that's about how it happened. Nice. So you um, did you get to play? Uh, just you mentioned nine, so I have to go off of my my multiplayer spiel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you get to play the multiplayer with your brother at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, we messed around with that. We um we we did have, we had two DSs, so we did do the multiplayer a little bit. Nice. What did you What did you think of it? Uh, I, th- I think it's actually a, r- a great feature in the in the series. I think um, I think it was re- it's a really great feature, and I th- it should they should bring it back in future titles. To be honest, it's re- it's really great to be able to play an RPG, hanging out with other people, and it's uh, and Yuji Hori um, he cited uh, Diablo as an inspiration for for the nine multiplayer aspect, right? Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, I actually I hadn't heard that, but that's pretty interesting. Oh, you hadn't heard that? He he cites um, Oblivion and Diablo as being two major. Uh, uh, inspirations for Dragon Quest Nine, so that's why it kind of feels a little bit similar. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. and then and then Dragon Quest Nine's um, canvas mode 
um, and tagging system became inspiration for the uh, 3DS. Street Pass, right? Yeah, the Street Pass. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting how one influence can turn and turn around and influence something else. Yeah. So you've mentioned in the past that your favorite game in the series is uh, Dragon Quest V. Um, do you have a favorite version of it? Uh, yeah, my favorite version of Dragon Quest V, it's it's the DS version. And I know a lot of people usually uh, point towards the PS2 version saying that's the best one. Uh, I personally think the DS, the DS version is still better. I like the way everything is presented a little more. I like the old school sprite work. I, I like the fact that there's new content there's a you know new wife you could choose there's a lot of choice you can give players and also i like i like the fact that it's an official release i don't really like messing around with fan translations too often unless i really have to so i kind of do i do prefer the, the official release a little more so yeah i gotta go with the ds version obviously yeah no i could definitely see that because it does improve vastly on the super famicom version um specifically graphically but even just having that extra character slot Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I actually have not played the PS2 version. I own a copy of the Japanese version. Um, I've never emulated PS2 before, so I have no idea what I what I would have to do. I'd have to research that a little bit more. Um, oh, yeah. Platy, you've you've played the, the the PS2 version, right? I actually haven't. No, I was going to say that's one of the. Uh, I think that's the only fan translation i think i've said somewhere when i played them all and then i kind of forgot about that but no i've never uh, emulated ps2 um with patches like that or anything and sorry Dwayne, I, I i know oh, you yeah. were involved Dwayne. with that we had Dwayne right. on here and i don't think either of us admitted that episode that we hadn't uh, actually played uh, the translation he was involved in with but <laughs> sorry did that Dwayne. one yeah <laughs> sack chief did that have the fourth character slot in it uh, you which know? one? Which, which the PS2, the PS2, Dragon version. Quest Five on PS2. Can't remember because I didn't really, I didn't really get very far in that. Like I said, I just played a little bit of it. Uh, I can't quite remember if it did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess it that it, it right? did. Yeah. Yeah. Be- just because I think that uh, I don't know what they were thinking when they did it for the Super Famicom. It was a step back, and plus, in a game where you have so much monster recruiting, it didn't oh, really yeah. make a lot of sense to limit you to three characters so you have like all of these monsters and human characters in your party to choose from but you can only choose three it's ridiculous yeah yeah so that was definitely a major flaw with the original five that i'm glad to see they fixed in the in the ds version and mobile Uh definitely definitely so uh sack chief um Moving away from Dragon Quest V, maybe. Uh, maybe. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of all the Dragon Quests, do you have a favorite character from the series overall? Or characters, if you must. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say probably the first one that comes to mind is Elena from Dragon Quest IV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like having uh, a character that's like that tough and powerful and uh, uh, confident. And it's like, it's a great character. She's a great character, I think. And a lot of people like her as well. Yeah, she's she's one of my favorite characters as well, too, especially from four. Um, and uh, she was one of those ones that probably rarely left my party in DQ Heroes. Yeah, I just think it's really cool that there's this character who can barely wear any armor or like not even have to hold a weapon and still like stronger than all these guys who are carrying around swords and knives and uh, battle axes. It's, it's just so cool, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her with poor, a pair of earrings on was doing uh, more damage than anybody else in the game by the end yeah i was uh, just a shout out to poor christo or kirill i know he's your favorite character matt but he's the guy who's always pining for sarevna 
Yeah, yeah. Arena. I mean, I'll tell you what. There's there's plenty of times in Dragon Quest Four that my party at the uh, at the end of the game is pretty much everybody from that chapter and uh, the hero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that too. Although uh, I think eventually, towards like in the bonus game, I ended up uh, um, I ended up with like a full on like attacking party plus one support character who's the bonus character for chapter six. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're you're playing that on the 3ds you want to you want to use the new and shiny person yeah <laughs> yep so uh what, what are your favorite uh, game mechanics in a dq game my favorite game mechanics in a dq game okay so uh my game mechanics are directly tied to the way the games are designed in dragon quest so it's my my number one favorite thing about dragon quest is not really the combat to be honest it's it's not really the action it's more of the exploration and the fact that the NPCs in the game are not just, you know, scattered around. They're not just background decorations. I always found it fascinating how they're essential. You need to talk to people in order to know what to do next in the early Dragon Quest games. They, you know, in the original Dragon Quest, they tell you where to go and they give you little hints of what the world is, how the world was built. And talking to NPCs and understanding what they're saying is completely essential to understanding the overall picture of uh, what's going on and where to go next. They always give you hints. You, you know, you, you people. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm I'm stuck and I'm lost in this Dragon Quest game." You really can't be stuck or lost in a Dragon Quest game if you talk to all the NPCs and you listen to what they have to say and you think about what they have to say. So, my first uh, favorite mechanic is uh, the fact that uh, it's the fact that the uh, NPCs are all. Uh, they all have unique things to say that that push you in different directions. And I like the party chat feature in Dragon Quest, which allows you to talk to your friends. That's my favorite mechanic in Dragon Quest. I'd have to that say that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a it was definitely missed in the four um, uh, in the four remake for DS, but thankfully they added it back in the mobile version. Any games in the DQ franchise that you haven't gotten around to playing that you want to? Okay, so um, when I think about it, the only I've played a lot of the games in the front end of the series. The only ones I can think of that I haven't played, uh, so the only ones I don't own are two and three on the NES, and then there is Tornico's The Last Hope, and those are the only English ones I don't own out of the entire series. Mm-hmm. So I own every single one of the others. The only ones I haven't played are Tornico Mystery Dungeon on the SNES, the what was it, the PS2 one. I haven't played the Yangus uh, Mystery Dungeon game. And uh, I've not played Joker three, and I I just got the Rocket Slime three um, fan translation, and I haven't played much of that either. I really want to get around to playing uh, Rocket Slime three because I played a little bit of that, and it was pretty fun. And I like Rocket Slime a lot, and uh, I'm sure the the team behind it did a really good job with the translation. So it's pr- probably that one the most. Nice. No, that's the same translation. That that's the from our the the um, it was a Team Rocket. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yes. they didn't. They didn't secret, right? Uh, you know what? It did kind of. It somebody, one of their uh, persons, did have a couple videos out on YouTube. I want to say around February or March. Um, but yeah, they didn't really popularize it much. I don't think it was that big over on GBA Temp, where I follow a lot of the fan translations. But they're part of Fans Translations International. They're a little team that's part of it there, and. Yeah, I don't think it was super secret, but it also really wasn't highly publicized. They weren't out on Twitter going, hey, guess what? We're working on this. Right. So, yeah, well, I guess for something like that, for a project like that, you probably don't want to uh, advertise it too much. Just let word of mouth take it so that you're not getting like a C&D letter. 
that was smart of them actually they managed to pull off the entire thing without any square enix's uh people uh you know uh, messing around like uh, you know telling them to stop and that, that was right. I, I remember on the den you guys were talking somebody who was it working on the dragon quest 7 fan uh fan translation before they were got the uh season desist letter oh uh, there was a few was Air was Erdrick the hero one yeah, of those I think, I think he was working on it too oh that's right yeah yeah i remember that was going on and i was really excited to see that and then see the square enix hit you guys with a cease and desist letter and uh obviously they were they were um they were happy to to oblige uh, to it right but the thing is um uh, that that in in its own doesn't that kind of confirm a, a localization? Don't you think so? Well, yeah, I think it was within a month. It was really quickly within a month of that C and D that we got the announcement for seven, if I remember correctly. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think it was about that. You're right. Yeah, and yeah, I, they, I think yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say that Terry's World 3D S version or Terry's Wonderland, sorry, and the Joker 3D translation that's been on GBA Temp like for a year plus before it came out. So, I mean, it, they, they really didn't hide that at all. And I, I, I guess after the Dragon Quest seven one got shut down, not seeing those got shut down, kind of solidified that we were never going to see those. So the, the theories um, basically confirmed if, if a, if, if it we seems get like it, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise Square Enix doesn't give it. Square Enix doesn't care about Dragon Quest, but if they if they do care, all of a sudden they they have plans uh, in store. So that's a way to tell, I guess, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely plays out for the 3DS. They're, I mean, they haven't. Nobody's gotten any letter. I mean, Slime Mori Mori Three now has been out there for since August first, and obviously nobody's telling them what to do. Don't worry about it. So Square Enix, if you're listening, please, please, please send a cease and desist letter for Dragon Quest Ten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then we'll know. Then we'll know. <laughs> then we'll know that it's coming. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody's working on a Dragon Quest Ten or a translation. You would think it would be easy with a PC version, right? Well, it, it there is uh, there is some uh, translation for like some of the basic menu stuff. Uh, um, if you go on the uh, uh, DQ10 forums on Dragon's Den, they have some uh, a handful of translation stuff about it. But the thing about Dragon Quest Ten is uh, um, there's so much content that it's kind of hard. You'd have to continually just translate and translate like all the different versions. Right. And right. according to Nawaria, who we spoke to um, uh, about the uh, on the DQ Ten podcast, um, each one of the versions is its own separate game. Like it's the size of like a DQ Eleven in like it's a in. Uh, each version so every time there's an expansion it's like a completely new game in the same universe uh expanding like parts of the map and everything but like the game itself is that large so i can understand how that would be uh that combined with all of the random events and stuff that happen in game that require like server pings and um that can that could be difficult to continually translate um, yeah Man, I want this game so I want I want Dragon Quest done so badly. Like you don't even understand. It would be so great if if it came over. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I'm hanging my hat on that like one comment we got from a producer. I think it was like a year ago. So you know, it's like summer of 2018. Like oh, you know, maybe one day it'll be able to brought be brought over to the West as like an offline version or something like that. Or was that this summer that they said that? No, I think it was last summer. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I I still would prefer to have the full original game. You know that it, they 
There's no point it's, if it's offline. Like that's that's what I'm thinking. Right. Like would it be offline and we get all versions at once like that, or would they expand the versions out? I mean, yeah. But for a game that's primarily multiplayer focused, to not have that, it just wouldn't seem like like we're actually getting the game at all. No. No. But uh, anyway, so, all right. So jumping to a random open-ended question. So why are uh, Dragon Quest play arts figurines so expensive, in your opinion? <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I've had a price tracker on these things, waiting for them to drop. <laughs> Elena actually dropped to 50 bucks this month. Uh, she's dropping, like, she's really dropping fast. Uh, I'm just letting you guys know that. But, <laughs> the re- yeah, the reason these, these figures are so expensive is because... Uh, they're not like the figures you see in the store, like Toys R Us or like Target or whatever. Uh, each of these figures has a specific sculpt, and they're all specially designed for their figure, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not mm-hmm. like they're not all made in a, in a plastic uh, mold in a factory where you're reusing old sculpts. So because of that, and because of all of the accessories that come with, and the fact that the paint the painting uh, method is different, just adds up to the price. And that's what Japanese these Japanese action figures are all like Figma and Figure Arts and all that stuff. They're all super expensive because of that. It's kind of it, it kind of sucks, and uh, I don't know. I did a little review on the the Luminaire Bring Arts. I, I I dropped a lot of money on that one. It's uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really spend ninety bucks on one of these figures to be honest. I don't think it's really worth it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd love to see. I I, you know, I got my niece into uh, Dragon Quest Builders, and she gets super excited every time she comes over to play it. Um, and she's really into Dragon Quest Eight as well because you can change the uh, main character. You can the character in front uh, who's running around on the map. You can change change it to Jessica. Um, and I I told her I was like I I'm gonna, if I find a Jessica figurine in Japan I'll I'll definitely get it for you. So I found it. Okay. <laughs> and again I found it at a secondhand store. And again it was like it was like ninety dollars. And I was oh, you know what that's yeah. That's a bit much on a on a single income family. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I just would love. That's one of my one of my uh, frustrations, and uh, the merch is just so expensive sometimes that it just really it's only for collectors. Exactly, you know, it's, it's, it's all limited run stuff. It's like yep. it's not not around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that in Japan too. They'll just have these, um, you know temporary um almost like the, the kind of like the tombola where you, you spend you spend like maybe the equivalent of like six dollars and buy a tombola ticket and then whatever comes out of that um you exchange for like the the dragon quest like kitchen and bath stuff and they have like slime sponges and, and right, uh, right, right. tea towels and and the uh the pancake uh, the slime pancake pan um and that that stuff is all limited run so that'll be around for maybe three months and then then it goes like you know everyone's got their stuff on ebay or or they're just collecting it but uh yeah i would love to have um figurines that are affordable so that i i one of the one of the things we did on the den was a while back uh promoting with uh with westy the dragon quest line was this brag your dq swag I remember that. Um, yeah, the hashtag uh, uh, contest for people just submit photos of their 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 uh, collected DQ merch, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I'd love to I I I truly think that if like if Square Enix sees how much people how much Westerners import 
of merch that like that that's really gonna hit home and and that like we could potentially get more merch over here to help with the brand um but we need we need more cost effective merch you know it, it, it can't just be like ninety dollar ninety dollar action figures like they're not you know and that, nobody's gonna I, buy that like yeah no one's gonna buy that yeah and the, the hand i'd i'd prefer that if anyone's rich enough to do to buy all the play arts figurines that they <laughs> spend it donating to a dragon quest 10 servers yeah for the West. yeah <laughs> but like, uh, well yeah yeah what uh, i was gonna say i was just listening to this i think it was um Oh, there's another uh, website. RPG fan was mentioning on one of their podcasts about um, the culture in Japan and how they're they're used to paying these prices. And when these kind of things come to the United States, they have to be priced high. Otherwise, the Japanese people will just buy it from the United States and import it back. So there's actual reasons why they keep the prices high here because they don't want you know, if they're selling it, if they, they realize like, well, the United States people aren't going to pay $90. So we'll sell them over there for 30. Well, how many people in Japan are just going to go snatch up a bunch of $30 ones, pay a $10 shipping fee. And then, you know, yeah. they've, they, they've kind of changed the market over there based on what's over here. Gotcha. They, gotcha. Yeah. They were talking about that, about different games and different, um, one big region reason for region locking because, um, they were mentioning some Persona game a bunch of years ago and how it's like one of the only ones that you can't buy across places because the yen was getting too powerful versus the dollar. And like it was so cheap on the U.S. store that people were buying it or something. I, I kind of got lost in the whole discussion. It was a side side note on their uh, Earthbound podcast. But oh, it's interesting. I, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, if these days you can hop on ebay and buy anything i mean yeah that's true yeah i was I, I was paid eight dollars for internationally shipped um slime magnets you know they were probably at the store over there for you know two three bucks but it's so inexpensive to then just internationally ship nowadays comparatively that you know th- those magnets if they were over here on like the square enix store would probably be 10 bucks or something hmm it makes me wonder. Uh, you know how you, you know how uh, Dragon Quest games in Japan always drop. They always tank in price, and you can buy them for like five dollars uh, complete, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I've heard the second market over there is very inexpensive, relatively. It's really cheap. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is Dragon Quest Eleven had a simultaneous worldwide release, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the S version. The, does the Japanese version have English voice options? It does, right? I actually don't know. Uh, if it does, then, then wouldn't that mean you can theoretically buy Dragon Quest XI S for like five bucks in a couple months? <laughs> no switch tax. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you never know. You know, Play Asia might have that. That's a good question. I don't know if uh, it has the because I mean we have the Japanese audio, right? I'll ask and... a Japanese friend of mine if if it does. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Did Pendy say that that he has eleven in Korean with the Korean voice actors, or did he say that was no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did not say that. I think you okay. asked him that, but he was like, "Oh no." Oh, okay, all right. I thought maybe it, maybe it has Korean subtitles or something because he said that he was playing a version in, uh, that was released in Korea. Now that might be subtitles. I it wasn't voice acted. I remember that question you did ask. That's a little overboard, I think, giving it new voice acting. Mm-hmm. And that would be a. I mean, it might have the subtitles, but even that, that I don't know if there's a full translation over there either. Hmm. 
All, All right. right. Well, uh, there's our economy of Dragon Quest and the international market. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that all day. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sack Chief, if uh, I don't know if you have before, but we had this on our Halloween episode. And uh, since then, we've been asking people if you could cosplay or if you have cosplayed before as a Dragon Quest character, who would it be and why? OK, so I've never done that before, but uh, I guess if I were to, I'd probably do uh, Dragon Quest three main, main character. I like his outfit the most. Definitely. All right. Nice. Nice. You want... Yeah, his Either. crown's pretty cool. His, uh, what, it's a coronet. It's pretty cool looking, I think. I, I definitely am partial to the, uh, the hero king versions. I know I give crap a lot to, uh, the Dragon Quest Seven hero. <laughs> Flopping around looking like Link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do a, stuff. you could do a mashup of Link and, uh, and as you call him, Hobo Link. Hobo Link. Hobo Link, yes. <laughs> And the Dragon Quest Eleven hero, dear God, with that hair, give me any alternate outfit with a crown, or with a, not a crown, a helmet. A, a, the helmet, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like his hair. His hair's fine, I think. It's it's really tough to draw. If you try drawing that, it's really it's really a pain in the ass. But uh... I, I think maybe I'm partial because I, I have hair like that. That if I ever grew it out, that's all it would do. It would just. <laughs> I think in middle school, I think in middle school, I was going that way and I'm like, nope. And I don't think my hair has uh, reached like over an inch long ever since high school. So just go straight down. It, it, it's it's like straw. Yep. It grows that's, straight out and then just lays straight down. That's funny. So it's it's completely just it, it, I, I really don't think it's been an inch long or more <laughs> in about uh, 30 years. So, all right. So, if you had a if you had a four character party with you as the hero, and you could pick any Dragon Quest monster or hero in the franchise to fill your party, which three characters or monsters would you form? Would would uh, would form your dream team? So, I gotta think of all the toughest characters in the series. So, um, if I go, if I go around, I think uh, Elena from Four would be a good one to have in my team. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd look. Uh, I'd have Saber from Dragon Quest Five. I want a giant tiger to be on my team too. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, he's cool. Uh, Saber, Elena. Um, let's think. Who else is really good? Oh yeah, I want Eric from Dragon Quest Eleven. Nice. He's awesome. He's really tough. He's like so tough compared to all the others. With the uh, with the dual boomerangs. With the dual boomerangs, with his 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 special moves that do these critical attacks. In in the end game for Dragon Quest Eleven, he was doing crazy amount of damage. Like he's such an essential character towards the end. It's it's really cool. Yeah, dra cool. uh, what is it? Dragon Quest FM had an episode last week where they were giving hints for how to power level and do all these good things. And literally, like, half their episode was, okay, so you're near the end game. Well, you use Eric to do this. You use Eric to get the experience. You use Eric to steal this and get swords. You use Eric. It was, like, half the episode was, use Eric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, like, the most useful character in the whole game, I gotta oh, say. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, that pep power with the steal. Where he could just steal like pretty much almost anything from from monsters. Like there, there's I think one or two monsters you can't steal from. But like, um, but yeah, that's such a great feature to have. And I love that little animation too, where he just like flips over over the monster, and then he's got the he's got the bag in his hand. And he's just got that smirk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's great. So uh, so you visited New York City recently. Um, so what what did you do while you were here? Let me think. Well, when I, last time I went to New York City, usually um, 
so I've got uh, my grandma in Brooklyn. It's usually me, me visiting her there, and then in the daytime I kind of take the train to the, uh, to the city and I walk around, hang around, hang out there. Uh, I usually uh, stop by this place called uh, Kino Kunia Bookstore. You're being there? Yeah, yeah, I know it. It's a good place. I kind of just hang out there mostly, and I read all their Japanese stuff. It's a Japanese bookstore with all this Japanese manga and all these figurines and all these keychains, and you have to buy the blind box keychain get the one you want and it's it's a lot of fun hanging out there nice. so yeah i got the one over by bryant park yeah yep. i was just gonna say yeah yeah i actually bought the uh the dragon quest uh the you know the dragon quest one uh roto trilogy uh um for the wii i bought i bought it like a, i actually found the uh the guidebook for it there recently no not recently this is okay like, probably like six or seven years ago yeah it's a while back so wait a minute. That is the one over by Bryant Park. Yeah, yeah. it is. There's, yeah. There's okay. Only, there's only that one, I think. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so yeah, I, I think the last two times I've been in New York City, I have been there. So yeah, that is cool. So I, my wife was actually very interested in there. Um, bought a bunch of little stuff for friends. Nothing at all Japanese or manga related, but okay. I that's what I was all looking at. But she was like, oh look, here's this cool book bookmark, and she found some other stuff. The so, basement. That was the, the basement's really cool. There, you're you're being there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All, they have all cool. the Jap- They have all the Japanese magazines and all the uh, photo magazines and stuff. They have uh, all the manga, like you know, Tonkin Bokuns. Is that what they call them? Uh, th- th- that's my favorite place to go to. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I um, Japan has a lot, has a lot of stores that are that are like that where you can just walk in and just buy manga and it's not even necessarily like new manga it's like older stuff that they have it's almost like a giant library that you can you know a bookstore where you can buy old stuff as well as new and it's all cheap yeah so i i, I was there in 2005 and and i bought a bunch of uh dino daibokan manga that were that was like a decade old at that point or more and it was still there in the bookstore so it, i think that was at a book off um but yeah they have japan has a lot of stores that are like just like kinokuniya but with just exclusively japanese titles right right cool so the next time you're in uh new york uh let us know and we'll we'll organize a dragon quest 9 multiplayer oh that, that'd be fun yeah awesome yeah we meet up at the uh nintendo new york store in uh, rock rock center did you did you get to go there at all while you were uh, there I, I did go there actually yeah I, I i went there i walked around um i don't know what i was looking for Oh yeah, I was looking to take a picture of uh, just because you know on Twitter everything I, t- I post has to be Dragon Quest related because you know that, that's just how it is. So I decided to take pictures <laughs> of vaguely Dragon <laughs> Quest related stuff. So um, I found the exact spot that Yuji Horii was doing his autograph in, and I took a picture of what it looks like now, and I did a side by side comparison, and it has like it has like a Captain Falcon's helmet there or something like that now, but before he was doing his autograph session there. Nice. Yeah. yeah, the giant TV upstairs as well is is always amazing to just watch them preview games on. I got to see them preview the uh, uh, Link's Awakening remake for the Switch there. Mm-hmm. And it's just this massive screen. Probably uh, seeing it on the massive screen, you didn't even notice the blurry edges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was complaining about that, that too. Is that the place where they had... The, there's It's out there on all... You know, everybody was tagged on it a long time ago. But um, in June, when they did the hero in Smash reveal, oh yeah, the was, yeah, yeah, yeah they did that. Everybody going crazy. Yeah, okay. that was there. That was upstairs. 
that was a great reveal. Everyone's going nuts because of the hero. That was, that was great. Yeah. I noticed when they saw the when I saw Dragon Quest Eight protagonist, they all like start freaking out because that's a lot of people's childhood, you know that that game. Yeah, I, I kept thinking though, was there were there really that many DQ fans in that room? Well, I mean, they saw Erdrick, and I, I when they saw Erdrick, they started really freaking out. So I think maybe there they maybe there are a lot of DQ fans <laughs> out there. Yeah, more than we think. Yeah, it must be more than we think because it sometimes it's hard to just kind of gather that fan base locally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was amazing to see that many people super excited about Dragon Quest. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, that was uh, that was a that was a good day. I remember I was at camp that day, and I was kind of trying to watch the stream on my phone as I'm standing in the doorway, letting kids go to their parents, and because it was, wasn't it like right at noon or 11 a.m. or something like that. Eastern yeah, that day. something like that. Yeah, I know that I feel. I um, I don't know if I told you guys, but I missed I missed to reveal the first couple seconds of it because I was picking up. My brother was graduating from high school, and I had to pick up him up from his uh, practice. He let mm-hmm. me know like a half an hour before uh, it was about to, about to start to pick him up. So I rushed there. I rushed back. I sat down. I missed. <laughs> I I missed the beginning, and I, and that sucks because I was looking forward to seeing the hero. And, like I really need to see this, to react to that more than anyone like on YouTube to be honest, and I missed mm-hmm. it. But, you know, it's fine, I guess, whatever. And you haven't talked to your brother since. Yeah, I was pissed at him. <laughs> I was not happy. I was, I was, I was very salty. But yeah. I, I, I reacted to most of it, though. I reacted to the... I, I made it till uh, when the four heroes came to save the Luminary. I made it to see that, and I, I saw that immediately. So that was okay. Nice. Yeah. So over the years, we've seen a lot of other RPGs that gain a large following in the West. Um, in your opinion, what do you feel the DQ series would have to do to compete with a more mainstream franchise such as like the Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts? Okay, so um, how Dragon Quest needs to what Dragon Quest needs to do to compete? First of all, I think that it needs to be promoted a little more uh, by Square Enix. Obviously, they need to do more advertising. They need to push put themselves out there a little more. They seem to be doing all this uh, all this crazy stuff with Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts and sending it out to people and making people like there's that a channel Man at Arms you heard of that thing um no. it's like a it's like a YouTube channel or it's like a TV show or something where they build fantasy weapons and they test them out by chopping up watermelons and stuff they they oh, did Oh yes. Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's a cool channel. They did one for every single uh Final Fantasy Blade and they did it and it was all sponsored by by Square Enix, right? Square Enix mm-hmm. pay them to do it. They they could have done one for Dragon Quest. They could have said, "Oh, hey, do the do the Sword of Light, make build a Sword of Light, and chop some freaking uh, watermelons up with that." That would get some people interested. Like it, like it's little things like that the Square Enix could be doing. But they're wait they're putting all their money and energy into Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. And there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to why Dragon Quest is not doing well in the West. There's a, a lot of factors. Uh, you know, it starts off with the fact that uh, the time period when the RPGs became mainstream. Uh, you know the 90s, mid mid to late 90s. That was the uh, time when when Enix of America gave up and basically were having a ton of financial issues. But at the same time, SquareSoft was putting all these games out, and then Americans were growing up thinking, "Oh, this is an RPG. This is what makes an, what defines an RPG." Even though Dragon Quest is what defines RPGs, they just couldn't. They they didn't they didn't grow up with these games, right? So, like it's like a domino effect in a way where all these gaming journalists and websites only talk about Final Fantasy. They barely ever talk about Dragon Quest. And it's just a it's just a mindset that American RPG fans have where they seem to think that Final Fantasy is the game that started it all when it's really Dragon Quest. And I think uh, adding the hero to Smash is the biggest thing was the biggest step for 
getting Dragon Quest popular in the West as much as I. Uh, if you think about it, that's def- that's definitely that's definitely the biggest step that they've ever made to make Dragon Quest, uh, you know, mainstream. There was a point in time on Twitter where I knew every single Dragon Quest fan. I knew every single Dragon Quest fan on Twitter. Like, if you were a fan of Dragon Quest on Twitter, I was friends with you. I knew your name. I knew who you were. I didn't miss a single person. Now it's gone to the point where I can't even handle how many Dragon Quest fans are on Twitter. <laughs> That's a good now. problem to have. It's crazy. Like I, there's there's people. I joined a Dragon Quest. Uh, there was a point in time where every single Dragon Quest uh, fan knew knew who I was. I joined a Dragon Quest um, Discord server. Nobody there knew who I was, and I was like, I was, I was pretty salty about that. You gotta be, uh, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, Screw this. You guys don't even know who I am. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good for the the franchise to have so many new new fans coming on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely. Uh, you know, I, I know there was there was also this um, an attitude among the fan base of like, well, we were here first, but it's like, all right, well, I'm all for welcoming new fans who want to make this more popular and get it ultimately get grow the um, fan base here and get us more games. Absolutely, I think we handled it a lot better than the, uh, the Persona Five fans did. They were they were getting they were a little bit uh, shook up by the whole uh, Joker getting in. You know, two different RPG fan bases gone to Smash at the same time around. Uh, two completely different reactions, I think. You know, hmm. right? Uh, I've been trying my best to be very uh, supportive for new fans. A lot of as, as soon as the hero got announced, if you look at the chart for my YouTube channel, it spikes up. It just shot through the roof. That's the biggest spike I've ever had in my channel, my Twitter account ever. I gained um, thousands and thousands of followers because of the hero gang in Smash. So a lot of people, first thing they find when they search this kind of stuff is my channel. So I've, I'm very, uh, I'm very supportive of new Dragon Quest fans trying to find, uh, you know, new, new information for the series and all that. Definitely. And uh, um, Platy, I remember didn't didn't one of the websites also just crashed with the amount of people doing research on it too. Was it that was that the dragon quest wiki or it was the wiki yeah i know people were all over the den like hey is a wiki up is a wiki up is a wiki still up yeah again that's a good problem to have if a site is going down because so many people are like trying to hit it up at once that's Mm -hmm. a good problem to have for the franchise yeah although you know what it's not it's not enough though if you think if you ask me i think smash was a good boost but i've noticed things settling down a little bit have you noticed that it's not as big as it was back in june like it's yeah, kind of, definitely. Yeah, it's settled down a lot. It's not as. Um, yeah, I'm also starting to I'm, see that salt of like uh, people uh, talking about like the Dragon Quest um, definitive edition um, sales numbers and everything. And, and I heard, yeah, apparently yeah. it didn't sell. I mean, I I don't have the source myself, but it's really weird that Square Enix and Nintendo never revealed the Dragon Quest Eleven sales, and we don't know how much it sold. It could have flopped completely, uh, for all we know. Uh, I heard I uh, on uh, September 27, I asked all my followers and friends and stuff to send me pictures of their copies of Dragon Quest, and I would retweet it, and uh, a lot of people did. And mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of people told me that people who didn't pre-order the game told me they were having trouble finding a copy of the game. They were running around all over town looking at every single Walmart and Target, and they couldn't find any copies because none of these stores actually stocked the game, uh, apparently. That's what I heard. Yeah, there mm-hmm. there were a couple of really great tweets from fans out there that where they would find Dragon Quest um, 11 behind another game and they would just like put it up in front oh, in the yeah. store like at a Best Buy or, or I saw that I saw that or at a yeah. GameStop. Uh, I yeah. yeah what was that I was gonna say I've always noticed um, being a member of the Dragon's Den for like 15 years we always get like a spike of new members or a spike in the forum activity 
when a new game comes out. And I, I'll say it didn't really happen so much with Dragon Quest XI-S. And, I mean, I don't know if it's because it's, you know, just been a year since the other one. So, you know, did everybody get it first? Nobody knew it was coming out for Switch. So, you know, anybody who was a big Dragon Quest fan, we all got it for PS4. We all got it for Steam. Right, absolutely. Uh, so, did, did, was there was there a big spike after the uh, hero got announced? Did, did that spike the traffic a bit, or a little bit? But yeah, I think there was we did much. see. All right, not not much. I mean, then forums in general are obviously not as popular as they once were. Uh, I'll definitely say that there was there was a, and there was a ton of discussion going on. Oh, that's great yeah. to um, see, though. Yeah, there there were tons and tons of like topics and um, and people posting videos to the forum and everything. Um, I don't know the statistics on how many of those were new new denizens or new new people joining. Um, but yeah, that'd be interesting too. Do we have stats on that? We could look up at some point. That might have to be something we ask Wudis. That's about. I hope that's a Wudis question. <laughs> that's not, not a me question. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love Woodis's website, by the way. It's such a great, you know, community, I gotta say. Uh, I was invited there a long time ago. Um, I forget what the guy's name was who invited me. Uh, I, I, I've been a member of um, Dragon's Den also. Cesar Hernandez, was that his name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, t- he he contacted me on DeviantArt because I used to draw Dragon Quest stuff on DeviantArt. I felt like I was the only person who used to do it. I, I did it back in, like, 2013, 2012, something like that. He told me uh, about, uh, about Dragon's Den, asked me if I want to join. I was like, okay. And uh, it, it's been a great, it's been a great community, great, uh, great group of old guys who like Dragon Quest and all that stuff. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, both old and new. We've got old, uh, old new. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, an artist community as well, and Cesar hangs out a lot on that uh, and posts um, uh, a lot of his fan art there. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I think there's even there's a writing as well. I I always remember that um, that topic that just says giant. Uh, what is it? Giant dump of fan fiction, mm-hmm. and uh, just that's kind of a, it's, uh, it's a <laughs> kind of a humorous uh, thing that I always like. Think of the writing section of the den. There's like giant dump, <laughs> giant dump of fan fiction. I should, I should check that out. I should check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah, that is not the name that they should have gone with. It's yeah, it's interesting. It's eye catching though. It definitely. Is. <laughs> So, all right. So, um, moving on. So, we have this game uh, that I'm sure you're aware of, uh, Marry Thwack Puff Puff. So, we tried to choose um, three characters that we found would be difficult. I don't know if you're going to find them difficult because it depends on your interpretation of the characters. Okay, okay. But uh, <laughs> they're they're challenging. A couple of them have come up before in the Marry Thwack Puff Puff uh, history. But... Uh, um, so, Marithwack Puff Puff for you, Sack Chief, would be Maribel, Stella from Dragon Quest Nine, and Deborah or Deborah from Dragon Quest Five. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let me th- let me think. Um, uh, uh, Deborah has to be the Puff Puff because Maribel and Stella, it's like not really possible to do to do that with them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Mar- Mar- Maribel, that would be like that would be like rubbing your face against like a board. <laughs> 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 and uh, Stella, you can't argue the logic. Yeah, Stella, Stella's like six inches tall. She's like a little. She's like a little thing, right? She's like, how tall is Stella? She's like a little, a little fairy, right? Yeah, yeah she just like hovers above your shoulder, right? She's gonna like rub your nose or something. Is that what she's gonna do? Like <laughs> <laughs> bridge your nose. Well, all three of them would be. Uh, 
in their 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 challenging personalities. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, so you're, you're saying puff puff De- Deborah. To Papa or... Deborah. Um, let me think. So I have to either marry Maribel or Stella. I'd have to marry Maribel and uh, thwack Stella. I think Stella's a little more annoying than Maribel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Because yeah, Stella's in the battle records, ripping on you every time you every time yeah, you open them. I don't like getting roasted. I don't like that. <laughs> but then, then again, Maribel's roasting you like the entire game, pretty much. Oh yeah, right? <laughs> that's true. Well, I don't know. The 3DS Maribel is a little, a little bit nicer. Yeah, a little bit nicer. Yeah, uh, I, I will say my my hatred of Maribel it began <laughs> on, the, on the first playthrough. I. I <laughs> I, can't, I can't. It's hard. It's hard to separate that from the 3DS. It didn't really. Uh, it, it, perhaps it didn't bug me as much. But then again, I, I knew to ignore her and I knew to ditch her at the earliest possible moment. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, uh, on the Questers Rest chat, we had one guy Luchadork who loves Maribel, and he oh. just kept like we're all ripping on Maribel, and he just keeps writing like Maribel's a saint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's funny. <laughs> We ever have him on the podcast, uh, Platty? Oh, uh, that's gonna I, be that's gonna be the info? entire podcast. Is, is you guys debating Maribel? You guys should have him on. Definitely, he's a great. He's a he's a good he's a good old fan. You know, he's got a lot of uh, knowledge and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. I was, I, I've uh, I've talked to him over the years. I bought some merch from him a while back. All right, he sent he sent me a, a fish luminary plushie. It's like a you know you know the luminary from Dragon Quest. It's like it's like oh like, yeah yeah. He sent me a plush of the fish uh, form. It's like a little thing. Oh, that's great. That's amazing um, that they made that. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, one of the uh, one of the girls that I've done a lot of uh, RPG backtrack over on um, wow, I can't rpgamer.com. Um, I've done a bunch of podcasts with her. She went to Japan last month, and the one thing that she was super excited about coming back with was one of the fish things. Uh, what what's the store, Liam, that had the uh, the pancakes, the slime pancakes? Oh, you're talking about Artnia? Yep, that's what that's what she got from Artnia. Oh wow, yeah, they have a great I, great pl- plushy selection there. Mm-hmm. Yep, she got the fish. That was that was. I remember talking to her on Discord um, a couple nights after she got back. She's like, I got the fish. Nice. <laughs> and then she was like on the podcast the next day, like trying to talk around it, like it was a huge spoiler or something. I'm like it. It's all right. You can. The hero turns into a fish at some point. It's. <laughs> it's not a big spoil. It's, it's the sorry. The, the action figure spoils it, right? Like the Bernards has the fish that comes with it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's it's already spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> well, I all think right. that, that that's a great transition to uh, talking about Dragon Quest S or Dragon Quest Eleven S. Yeah. So uh, that'll be our next main event here. Um, we're going to talk about the game, hear what Sack Chief has to say about a lot of different parts of it, kind of give our opinions now, because I know the last time we talked about it, it hadn't come out yet. We were, uh, Liam and I spoke to Woodus about it uh, a couple weeks, a couple days before it came out. So all we kind of knew were the changes, what we had seen online. I mean, obviously, this is one of the first times that we were completely getting a game unspoiled by any 
you know, reports from Japan because they were getting it too on the same day. All we knew what w- was what we had been told. So I'll let uh, SAC Chief kind of summarize some of those changes that we got. Not going to go through the whole story here like I usually do, given my one or two minute spiel um, about the Dragon Quest story. But we've done that. Listen to one of our previous episodes, play the game. I'm sure most people listening to this probably have played the game before. Um, but Sack Chief, go ahead and uh, kind of run through what changed between the PS4, the Steam version, and what's now the definitive edition. Okay, so uh, Dragon Quest XI-S on the Switch is the definitive version of Dragon Quest XI-S, or Dragon Quest XI. It takes certain things from the PS4 version and the 3DS version that never came to America. It takes things from the 3DS version, it puts it into the into what is the PS4 version, kind of changes the graphics a little bit, adds new features, and um, a lot of things people wanted, uh, fans have been asking for. They added, they listened to the fans, and they added certain uh, certain elements that people have been uh, wanting improved in the original vanilla version of Dragon Quest XI. So, naming them off, the first obvious thing that got a lot of people talking is the fact that. Uh, the 3DS version of Dragon Quest XI had this optional 2D mode, which in which you can play a 16-bit version of Dragon Quest XI that's styled like Dragon Quest III on the Super Famicom. And this is a very cool thing. It's got an official official demake of Dragon Quest XI. It plays like an old-school RPG. It's hardcore. There's no autosave. It's all turn-based. One, uh, you do, you know, you select everyone's moves one at a time. It's very, very quick. It's, it's the ideal old-school Dragon Quest experience. It's, a, it really makes a great second playthrough if you ask me. And so you can switch back and forth between 3D mode and 2D mode. It's really neat uh, the 2D mode, and you know, it runs at 60 frames per second on the Switch in handheld mode, and it, it's overall really cool. It's not exactly the same as the 3DS version, though. Uh, things are changed a little bit. The there's um, you know there's certain graphical differences, but for the most part, it's it's really just a 16-bit version of this exact same game with the exact same story. So if you want to play the game a second time and freshen up the experience a little bit, then there's a 2D mode, which is really really cool. They really went over the board uh, m- making this version of the game. They didn't have to do it, and they just did it for people for the fans, you know. And I really appreciate the 2D mode a lot. So. Uh, there's other uh, little, little things they added. The second thing I would like to mention is that the soundtrack for Dragon Quest XI, the original one, had, was it was synthesized with a computer, essentially. It was a MIDI soundtrack. And a lot of people complained about this in the West, particularly. They're, they, complained, they complained about it so much that um, the Steam version, essentially, uh, a group of fans, one of which I'm friends with, uh, created a mod that allows you to replace it with the original symphonic one done by the Tokyo uh, um, Orchestra uh, by mm-hmm. Sugiyama, right by Sugiyama. And that was one fan complaint that they listened to. They added the original soundtrack into the game. You can switch back and forth between the the synthesized one and the original symphonic score. It sounds amazing. It sounds way better than the original. It really uh, emphas- It really gives a lot of atmosphere to certain cutscenes. A lot of emotional. Uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of reason to have it on, and it, it just completely changes the game. It makes it sound so much better. And that that, that works in the 2D mode as well, right? Yeah, yeah it works in the 2D mode also. Yeah, that's, you have a 2D. Yeah, that's a really cool feature. Is like having the fully orchestrated sound in like an old school 2D Dragon Quest game. Right. Uh, so yeah, moving on. There's little things like, for example, um, if you charge your horse out and a, a small monster is nearby, you can knock the monster over and it dies and you get AXP without any to fight it. it gets it emphasizes the quick the quick nature to the point nature of dragon quest which is another little thing that makes a big difference if you ask me 
Uh, yeah, that was that was one of the ones that when I played the demo at Anime Expo, uh, that that was the first time I'd ever played it, and I was kind of wishing that they had that for the PS4 version. Um, so it was great to see they added it for the Switch. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool feature. Uh, so there's um, other things like, for example, there's new outfits. There's a lot of new outfits. Um, there's new costumes. Eric, uh, for example, has a costume designed by uh, Hiro Mishima, the creator of Fairy Tale. He designed a costume for Eric. Um, it's like a black costume with uh, like a fur fur neck piece and all that. It's it's neat looking. Uh, he's another mangaka. So th- there's one costume that wasn't designed by Toriyama actually in the game. Um, oh wow! Yeah, there's a few uh, tiny little differences. For example, uh, one of uh, Serena's outfits, which is originally white in the original game. They recolored it to look kind of like Princess Zelda from Legend of Zelda in, in, in this new version. It's purple colored and it looks it looks like it looks like Zelda. So there's like a Zelda reference in, in the new game because of the whole Nintendo uh, connection, which I thought was cool. Uh, among a few mm-hmm. other and there's a few other costumes. It's a boar costume to celebrate uh, the year of the boar, which is this year, I believe. Um, there was uh, there, there's a there's a bunch of new costumes. And a new feature that basically, if you like the way a costume looks, but you don't want to sacrifice the defense and you want to get better armor, if you've equipped the costume once, you can actually wear the costume no matter what armor you you have equipped, which is a great feature. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, being able to do this kind of dress up thing, uh, make everyone look a little bit different. It's it's a neat feature as well. It is. Oh, that it's the only thing that I wish they would have ported to the 2D version because you can't do that in the 2D version. The two oh, version sprites are what you're wearing. Okay. You gotta suffer through the hair, Platty. Hey, at you least gotta the 2D suffer... Yeah, suffer <laughs> through the hair. Uh, <laughs> I was saying, at least the 2D version does give you different sprites for the costumes, and that's kind of good attention to detail. It does. It does. Right. Um, so, uh, next up, uh, there's this place they added, which was in the 3DS version, not in the PS4 version. This is a brand new feature for us. It's called... Uh, t- t- uh, it was called Taco Village. It's this town full of these time-traveling little creatures called the Tacos. Uh, you meet, like, uh, it has, there's like a bunch of puns in this. Every character has a weird name. Like, there's a guy named Uncle Tickle, which uh, Liam and, uh, not, not, which Austin and BJ thought was really funny because I thought it was really creepy sounding. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh... <laughs> Uncle Tickle. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's like a mayor of Taco Town and Taco Village is basically this place with a bunch of uh, pedestals representing there's 10 pedestals representing the 10 Dragon Quest games before Dragon Quest 11. And you can travel to the past and visit old Dragon Quest locations and solve problems there. And it's really neat. Um, uh, The Taco Village, I would like to point out, is not exactly like the 3DS version. In the 3DS version, when you go back to the Dragon Quest 1, 2 and uh, 1 and 2 worlds, the graphics are actually in, inspired by the NES sprites. So when you go to whatever Gallon Home, it it actually looks like an NES game. It's not 16-bit. It's 8-bit. Looks like an NES game. Has the NES soundtrack. It, all that kind of cool stuff. That's not actually not on the Switch version, which a lot of people I haven't seen point out. And uh, that's, that's kind of a, a bit of a bummer that they didn't uh, include it down to that exact detail. But you can go back in time, even to Dragon Quest X World, and... Uh, check out these different places by getting passwords, which you find around the world, and it's a it's a really neat feature. That's more replayability, you know. These little missions, side missions that they add in. So yeah, there's that. And... I love the name of that too. That it's not passwords; <laughs> it's past words. Past words. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always love the puns, and that was a good one. Yep. Uh, so let me think. What else is there? Um. 
okay, so there's new things in the there's new things as well in regards to the draconian uh, mode. Uh, basically, there's a base there's a hard there's more hard mode uh, options, including one called a lying townsfolk. The lying townsfolk is when you talk to somebody that might randomly tell you a weird lie. Uh, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm just lying. And then there's like the Dragon Quest uh, curse music. Dun, 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 you know that sound? <laughs> it, it, it goes like that. And then there's Super Shy Pox, which is where you can you will walk around town talking to a random person, and then all of a sudden Luminary will be scared or shy or something, and he'll start like getting scared. And then this also affects battles, so you'll be fighting a boss, and then uh, Eric will get all shy or something, and he'll lose a turn. It's really, it's really, I don't like this at all. I think it's really annoying and really stupid. I got, I got bored of it very quickly. So yeah, there's that. Nice. Uh, Wasn't there a guy in the den that that turned all of them on at once? Uh, I turned all of them on at once. Oh. I did I did that uh, in my playthrough. It got so annoying. It got really like I got really annoyed really fast. I just turned it off after getting. <laughs> I had to turn. Oh, it off. I'm trying to think who it is. It's the guy from like Sweden. He's uh, oh he he's on my turn based RPG group too on Facebook. So he actually played through the entire game with everything turned on. He did. Like, that was, that, oh wow. That was that was the PlayStation version. He did that okay. last year. Oh, imagine doing it with a new one with Super Shy Pox. That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I want to mention something about lying townsfolk. Sometimes it can have funny results. Like, I walked up to the um, Sultan of Galapagos. I walked up to his wife, and I talked to her. And she told me that the Sultan of Galapagos has 300 wives. And she told me <laughs> that. She told me that. <laughs> oh, that of all people. That's yeah, great. That, was really, that was a really good coincidence. I was like, wait, so is she telling me that her husband has 300 wives? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, after the uh, after the release, we saw a lot of really great uh, screenshots of stuff um, for the lying t- townsfolk. Yeah, uh, floating around on on Twitter. I'll keep that on if I was if I was to do Draconian again. I'll do the hard mode. And I'll keep that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. the hard the hard mode is the hard mode is definitely uh, necessity. I think for a lot of people, you know, because I did a lot of exploration when I originally played it on PS4. And as such, my characters were leveling significantly as I was exploring the maps and uh, and like trying to track down all the crossbow po- crossbow points and things like that, um, doing side quests. So I was way way overpowered, over leveled. Um, so yeah, the definitely the draconian mode, hard mode is something I would do for ne- my next playthrough, mm-hmm. and something I would recommend if you're a first timer and you you're you want a uh, more of a challenge. Yep, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that? Oh, I was gonna say that those are probably the two biggest complaints I'd ever heard about um, Dragon Quest Eleven. Was oh, this is easy. There's no real challenge. And what you mentioned earlier is the music. So mm. the fact that they've built—I mean, even from the beginning—they built in something to address that with the uh, Draconian mode, and then obviously they've fix the music right now so yeah i mean just from my time at rp gamer and through my turn-based group where we talk about a lot more than just dragon quest and not everybody's a big dragon quest fan those are the two i've heard for the past year like "Eh, i don't want to play dragon quest it's a little too easy and i don't want to listen to that music but you don't have those complaints you shouldn't have the the complaint on the one but uh but yeah, the music fixed. Well, and was it, the was, it the, was it the sound quality? Well, 
was it the sound quality or the the actual composition they were upset about mainly the composition but the fact that it repeats a lot a lot of everything sounds the same it sounds the same as all the other dragon quest music that gets nitpicky i think I mean, to but, be fair, it, I, I do think it's probably the weakest soundtrack in the whole series, if I were to actually rank them. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and, well, it's and, got the fewest uh, new compositions, correct? Right, and a lot of that is just, uh, I'm sure it's due to Koichi Sugiyama's advanced age at this point. Yeah, people are talking yeah. about how it's harder for him to compose um, new music, things like that. Yeah, I think since 9, he's been actually composing with like a, a protege or someone someone is helping him um i don't know to what extent they're writing music but the, i do remember reading that on uh, on um some sort of uh square enix music website like probably about 10 years ago when when nine came out oh and that was 10 years ago so imagine now like what's yeah going on. yeah i can imagine <laughs> look we, we gotta get somebody new to i think i think it's time like his protege or somebody to uh, stepped up and took took over because uh, we we need like a stronger soundtrack in the future you know yeah i could i could mm-hmm. i could hear that um i i remember talking to mishi at one of the conventions and um she was talking about how pro uh, um the the soundtrack for dragon quest swords uh, the composer for that, whose name escapes me at this time, um, but hopefully Platy can look it up while I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> um, it, the composer for Dragon Quest Swords is a, a really spot-on sound alike for Koichi Sugiyama's sound, and um, I don't know. I don't know that they used her again after that game, but. Uh, or if they, if there's, I didn't even know it was another person. I, I thought it was Sugiyama. I didn't realize it was Swords or somebody else. I thought Mishi Manamu, said. Wait, and that Manami, really great Matsume. too. Swords has yeah. such a great, has such a great uh, battle yeah. too. You know, Ma- Manami, Manami Matsume. That was Sugiyama then. Wow. Yeah. They should get her to do uh, some future game because I, I remember Swords sounds. Oh, so, so, no Swords, is a, Swords is a really good soundtrack. She wrote music for the original Mega Man. That's crazy. Oh really? That's some. So she's like a vet, uh, industry vet. Then that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Damn. So so the music for Dragon Quest Swords. The re- yeah. The reason it sounds so spot on is um is this composer was able to match um the sound the style of uh, of Koichi Sugiyama and and it was seamless. You know, if if she if Mishi hadn't mentioned that um that a different composer was used, I probably wouldn't have noticed that it wasn't Koichi Sugiyama. That is crazy. Holy wow. Wow. Hmm. Good find. Good find. Nice talk. <laughs> a random, random conversation that uh, led to that. Yeah, yeah, I would have never. That is a random never. conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so which uh, which version of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven did you prefer? Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing. The Switch version is great, but the Steam version, I mean, uh, have you guys played the PC version of the Dragon Quest Eleven? I have not, no. no. I mean, when you play that, it's like your eyes are just like, it's 60 frames per second, it's all high definition, it looks nice, it looks better than the Switch version, it's got better textures and resolutions and all that. Uh, if you mod in the orchestral soundtrack, you got that. So it's pretty close, but the Switch version has actually one more feature I forgot to mention that makes it the definitive version for me. I, I can't believe I didn't mention this. It has a uh, the option to speed up battles and make them faster. And... Mm. 
This is a big one, because if you go back to playing Dragon Quest XI on the, the vanilla version, the battles feel like they're in slow motion after playing the Switch version. <laughs> the, the, like, it feels like it's in slow motion. The characters are so slow, they're doing everything slow. RPGs should be fast, if you ask me. They should be fast to the point, you just hit a couple buttons, battles over a couple seconds. That's how it should be. The Switch version with its super fast settings, you can you can do exactly that. You can. They're, they're, those are probably the fastest battles I've seen in a Dragon Quest game lately. And Honestly, that's what puts the Switch version over uh, over ahead for for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, did they uh, did they preserve the two types of uh, of battle? Oh uh, yeah, in, they did. in the definitive edition. So, when you're talking about speed, are you talking about like the new uh, battle version where you can kind of like walk around and it's uh, somewhat reminiscent of Dragon Quest Ten? Or the classic mode that's a little bit more like Dragon Quest Eight. I prefer the classic mode. You know. Yeah, same hit, here. Hit hit the button. You know, move on. That's all. You don't even walk around. Yeah. So the okay. speed, yeah. the speed, the speed is uh, in in the definitive edition applies to both. Uh, yeah, I think I think it does. I haven't really done much of the the new battle system. I'm I kind of just stuck to the the classic one. Yeah, I think I played about two weeks of it like that, and then I switched it, and I I was like, I don't know why I hadn't been playing it in classic mode. you know what's pretty funny is i think i I switched within like the first hour or two of my ps4 version so like i'm total now like i've had 150 plus hours in there so i like barely remember like that's a feature in the game because it was so early that i was like nope i I don't need this if it's meaningless i I, I love i I love grandia combat grandia is one of my favorite battle systems ever in a turn-based game Mm -hmm. and the positioning and everything so well i was like oh why did you tease me with this dragon quest Hmm. like uh, i i thought sneaking behind people might do something or whatever and i know they they flat out said it right away when the game came out but still playing it for the first time i was ooh, maybe it will no 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 doesn't make a difference no yeah well, I think it does yeah. in ten. Didn't Noaria say that it, that position matters in ten, Co- and that's correct. It does in ten. Yeah. yeah so that's why you can spells and whatever. And you can push the monsters so that they're further away from like damaging some of your weaker party members that might be in back or or uh, or, da- or you know damaged party members. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just pointless in eleven. I feel like maybe they did it for new fans who kind of like walking around and and that kind of thing. Maybe they just did it for them. I, yeah, it was I, it was interesting. It was definitely like, oh, this is different, but it didn't really no. add to it. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, would that be a feature you think that maybe Dragon Quest Twelve fully implements? Oh man, I I feel like there will be a backlash. There's so it's, you know, Dragon Quest fans love traditional the, the traditional gameplay style so much that I feel like if they made it so that it it has to be walking around, I feel like people will get pissed off about that. Yeah. You got to do it in baby steps. Like with eight, I don't think I ever remembered people getting pissed off that eight, like gave us three uh, third person perspective battles. But that was a huge step forward from from like the classic. You know, just you can't see the heroes during battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, of like one through seven. Right, right. And then in the seven remake, they added they added that somewhat. You know, I don't expect Dragon Quest twelve to have like a two D mode or all the amazing thing I mean, it, like they did a lot for 11 11 they went overboard thank god yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah you know i think 12 is going to go back to being may- maybe having jobs maybe doing something a little bit different but you know they're not going to do the 2d 3d have it on two different platforms kind of thing and now yeah. three different platforms or at least platform exclusives you know it 
it, a lot of games are going to multi-platform PC and everything, but I think it would be more like PS4 and Switch and whatever simultaneously. Um, not that, but I wonder if that's something that could be done where, you know, have that battle system that you could change kind of like now where you, I mean, they have it a little bit with Dragon Quest Eleven S because the 2D is the same combat that you remember from Dragon Quest 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, everything. Like, you pick your turn, and it goes. Whereas, it's also got what the vanilla version started, where you go turn by turn. You're not, you know, your character takes its turn. You don't input a whole string of commands at once. Hmm. I wonder if they could do a hybrid system where you could turn it on and off, where positioning matters. Or you're just back to that third person vantage point. Ride that line. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like the option to also turn off autosave. That would be nice. I don't really like the autosave feature that much. I can't find myself. I can't think that I really use it in any way, shape, or form. I always get nervous about when it autosaved. So, you know, I, I know you always see it, but it's like, yeah, I don't really want to load that back up. Or if I went to go, I, I think once or twice, I tried to load it back up and I'm like, oh, it auto-saved in between when I thought I was going back to and when it is. So doesn't, I, it auto, I, doesn't the auto-save kick in when you like leave and enter a room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, because that, that's helpful for the casino. I Like I'd lose a bunch of money and then I'd just revert back to my save when he's like right, just walked in the door. Correct. Yeah, you don't have to come from the church yeah. all the way back to the casino. You know, we're talking about things that they added to the game. Um, they took out a couple things from the game. I know um, the two biggest things that I remember that they took out from the game were the crossbow targets um, <laughs> that was in the vanilla version. I'll be honest, I never really did any much of them. I kind of forgot about them. And every now and then I'd see one. I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably <laughs> missed about 20 between the last time I saw one and now. And I, I only really saw one or two people. One of the guys on the den really was very upset about the first person uh, mode that you couldn't enter first person mode to look around. Oh, yeah. Uh, I noticed that also I, the I, first day. I, I guess I, I never really used that. So both of these were things that I never really played around with much in the vanilla version. But so I don't miss them personally, but I don't know that if you've actually... heard any. That would have been a cool feature for the for the like if you undock the uh, the switch motion controls yeah like motion control and like turn like move around and ah. you can see it almost like a VR mm -hmm. or augmented reality that would have been awesome. It should yeah, be Liam, you got to save some stuff from like Dragon Quest fifteen. Right. Yeah, all <laughs> right. Dragon Quest VR, please come to the West. <laughs> also, that that feature actually was a new feature that only the Western version of the vanilla Dragon Quest eleven got. Um, Square Enix USA actually gave us that uh, new feature. The crossbow targets? Uh, not the crossbow targets. I think that was the original. I know for a fact that the first-person mode and the sprinting mode were a uh, feature that only we got. We uh, The Japanese version of Dragon Quest XI uh, did not have the sprinting or the first-person mode. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that about the first person. And, you know, guess you, could, you can't. I mean, you never really could really look too much at Crystallia all that well. You think it's like, a sense, it's like a censorship thing, you think? Maybe Nintendo doesn't want you uh, peeking at people? Yeah. Uh, really? I, that was it? <laughs> I mean, that could be it. Cause I, I, I Zoom in on the boobs? Yeah, yeah. I took a lot of pictures of the bunny girls on my Steam version uh, with, <laughs> with, with, the, with the first version camera. 
there's there's something isn't there like a couple like Crystalia in the um is it the monster catalog there's a couple that you can't zoom in on or something like that oh i remember i thought oh, yangus yeah. was telling us about that I think the women, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, you can't do an ups, upskirt shot on any females. Like you can't do one for Serena or Veronica. Apparently, they're are, they're in there, right? Um, I believe so. It, it's hilarious that they assumed we were going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody on the staff was like, "Wait a minute! Right? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We're adding this pictures." Yep. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta check to see because is that monster catalog in this in the PC version? It is right. I would uh, assume so, yeah. I mean, because that was pretty identical to the PS4. Uh, I'm surprised that a franchise that has li- like literally like hookers and strippers walking around the street is going <laughs> that is going that far to prevent you from doing things like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I do remember somebody at one point was talking. We had that conversation. Might have been off air or whatever, or maybe it was just on the den. But yeah, there there was something that you couldn't zoom in on, and I mean, in the game you can do whatever, but. So I, it had to be in the monster catalog. Maybe one of the uh, witches that puff puffs or something like that. <laughs> that might be it. Did they add any new puff puffs? Because that, that, that was such a great feature. Like that every single puff puff in the game was completely different and, and oftentimes wacky. Yeah, I can't remember if there was a new one or not. That doesn't... My, I mean, but the, I won't have... give any spoilers, but the bungee jumping one. Oh, that's <laughs> my absolute favorite. I won't describe it beyond that, but like that's that's, that's my crazy. favorite one. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, I gotta go for the one in Galapagos. It, nothing like the throwback to Dragon Quest Three with that. Oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the guy, what's the guy's name? The character's name, Roughneck. I don't remember his name. Uh, or the Tuffy. Yeah, tough. Yeah, Tuffy or Roughneck. I've seen it translated as to as both, but that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact- and the fact that it's in the desert town, too. I mean, it... It's a direct... Trend. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They nailed that one 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sack, what, what well, version of the vanilla did you play? Um, I actually played both. I, I bought both of them, the PC and PS4 version. I played them simultaneously. Oh wow! Simultaneously? Yeah, it's, it's I'm, <laughs> I, I I don't really have a life, so I bought I bought Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, a Square Enix sent it to me early actually because of like they're sending it from the Square Enix shop early to everyone, so I got mm-hmm. that. Uh, I played the PC version, and I actually I actually stopped playing the PS4 version to start playing the PC version. I kind of just played the PC version, and I the PS4 version is kind of sitting there. So I played a bit of the PS4 version. I played a lot of the PC version. I played over 100 hours of it. It's insane. I played too much of it. Uh, and I mostly played the PC version. I modded it. I messed around with the files. I did everything you could do with it so far. If you have any questions about modding the game, I, I probably know what's <laughs> going on. What kind of modding did you do? Okay, so uh, I don't know if you guys talked to my friend Komodo Zeno. Uh, have you talked to him? Uh, only on the Questor's Rest chat. Right. Well, Komodo Zeno, uh, yeah, he's uh, pretty big into the whole modding thing. He... Uh, he, uh, you know, extracts everything. He's like getting the files. So uh, swapping files is something we figured out. We figured out how to how to swap files in the game. So you know, I can change Veronica to look Serena to look like a an older version of Veronica if I want to. I can change the color of anybody's hair, their eyes, their outfit. I can cha- I can uh, you can make you can make uh, texture swaps so I can change the color of the floor. It's like it's like a simple stuff like that right now. Okay. Um, 
And uh, the big the big mod everyone's talking about is obviously the orchestral overhaul mod. And I know the guy who created that also. It's where it you know swaps the entire soundtrack with uh, a symphonic soundtrack, which mm-hmm. is a, a cool one. We're we're still fiddling around and trying to figure out how to import models. Uh, it's 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 a hassle. It's it's a lot of work. It's it's kind of it's it's more complicated than it seems. So no upskirt mod. Uh, <laughs> upskirt mod. Okay, you don't have to answer that. If there is, <laughs> I don't know if there is. Coming soon. Coming soon. Oh man, uh, I, I've gone. T- no. I've gone down too many rabbit holes with other games. Just yeah. <laughs> I, I very rarely play on my PC anyway. So, uh, but so did did you get? I know there's no like platinum trophy with Steam, but did you get like 100 percent of the badges, or is there a way to tell that? Or I mean, there is a way to tell. There's Steam achievements and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I didn't get 100% of it because, I don't know, I got a little bit busy. Uh, th- that was kind of a, a busy time in my life when DQ11, I was playing it. But uh, I did finish the game. Uh, I got to the end. I got really high level. I got everyone to level 99, actually. I, mm-hmm. I, managed, I managed to do that. Um, uh, I could probably platinum it with the, with all the cheats that I have right now because I, I, I know how to hack it, so I could probably I could probably get there really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's something I want to do eventually. I might just do it on the Switch version because that's the that's kind of the version I'm sticking with these days. You know, messing around with the Switch mm-hmm. version. Yeah, it's definitive. You uh, definitively should stick with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, how much of the 2D mode have you played? Okay. So, the, uh... yeah, the 2D mode. Um, I played the 2D mode as soon as the game came out. That was the first thing I tried out. I played it until Galopolis from um, what's it called Hato to Galopolis. And then I stopped because I'm doing a let's play of the game, and I feel like a lot of the emotion in the cutscenes is gone when you're playing in 2D mode. The game was designed for 3D mode, if you ask me. The mm-hmm. 2D, the 2D mode is like a bonus. All, every single little bit of uh, emotion that you might get it from the storytelling is gone in the 2D mode. Essentially, there is none of that. Uh, you know, all the sad moments, all the the moments that make you cry and stuff that's not there it's not it's just not there in the 2d mode so i, I had to switch to 3d mode because i kind of just prefer the, the 3d mode even though you know yuji Horn and his team worked very hard to make the 2d mode and i appreciate it it mm-hmm. might just be, it might just be like a second playthrough for me the first playthrough has got to be 3d I, I i definitely prefer the 3d mode even though the 2d mode is very neat yeah i mean i i have to second that and and i you just it's not the same when sylvando hands the piece of shit to the uh to the monster yeah it's just not the same in 2d mode <laughs> of course you can't even tell what he's oh, saying yeah. you and that piece of shit piece of shit yeah. are... <laughs> damn what a oh. piece of shit man no, really funny scene. I, I really like that scene a lot i swear I... this comes up in probably half our episodes well yeah he does it in his bare hand <laughs> no gloves I, um, he's a performer he could easily have gloves on yeah, that's true. But he's <laughs> just so committed to the to comedy. Wait a minute, that, that, a... that line right there, he's a performer. Do all performers just walk around with gloves? Yeah, they could if they wanted to. I mean, you're in New York City, so I mean, do, do people just like walk around New York City? The ones City, who are like, handing pieces hey, I'm on Broadway, I've got a glove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I forget, did, did he have this, the piece of shit in like, his bag or something? Like, was he just holding it? Like, where did he get it from? He picked it up off the ground? It's probably just, you know, the characters are always carrying horse manure in their bag. That's true. I was going to say, it's probably right out of the bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, we're My bag's always got plenty of horse manure in it. Yeah. Every game. That's that's one of the things about Dragon Quest games. Is like, if this, was, if this was real, these 
heroes would smell like horse manure <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you gotta love that he he finds horse manure in his first instinct. The hero's first instinct is to stick it in his bag. (laughs) (laughs) I think I took a screenshot of in Dragon Quest VIII when it was like, oh, joy, some horse manure or something. (laughs) What luck. (laughs) What luck. What luck. (laughs) What luck? Bad luck. That's what luck. (laughs) Horse manure. It's a magic bag, though. I've always assumed, you know, this is a magic bag that you can stuff, you know, 99 of every item or whatever in. So... Through the magic of the bag, there is a separation of smells as well as a separation of items. That's my head cannon. Where's that? that was a topic that was very popular in the den for a while. Your your own personal head cannon. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd just love to see cannon. that in a Dragon Quest game where like if you have the horse manure on your characters at all, the NPCs won't even talk to you. They're like, oh my god, what the <laughs> hell is that smell? <laughs> And no, there's a draconian mode for you know Dragon Quest Twelve. Yeah, there we go. Actually, do that on our like oh, shit no, mode. No, no joke. The shit mode. You're holding shit. Yes, <laughs> people like act like you're you're smelling shit. I <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk to you. Get the hell out and of my house. They just won't help you at all. <laughs> yeah, they tell you get out of their house because you're you're smelling shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, so you can't get that in. You only got to stay at the campfire. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's it for the highbrow portion of the uh, of the episode. Uh... <laughs> Back to you, if you're right about the um, you know the 3ds or not the 3ds, the 3D version is definitely where people should start. I know I played the exclusively in 2D because I, I am someone who has a hard time replaying games. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here tonight and I've got a stack of like 20 video games that I'm about to stick on eBay in a couple days because I, I, I do play games once and I get rid of them with the exception of Dragon Quest games. I, I do keep all my Dragon Quest games, but even then I find it hard until it's ported to a new system or has something else about it change that I want to get it again. Um, of course, with Dragon Quest XI-S, I was like, definitely, definitely, definitely going to get this because I wanted to do the 2D. But even then, I'll say I'm about 20, 30, 40 hours in. I can't even remember at this point. Um, and, and I've got to, I had to take a break for a while. I'm like, this is the same game, and it's not as emotionally as impactful. It's not the same level of excitement even as playing it in the 2D as the 3D. I can see where you would have stepped away from that because, honestly, I, I, I kind of have for a while, too. I, I've been doing a lot of Persona and Shimigami Tensei stuff lately, just taking a break. And I know b- back in the new year, I'll be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear down. And I, I really do want to personally beat the whole thing in 2D because I feel, you know, I've done 120 hours on the PS4 and I, I'll go back and I'll watch those 3D 3D scenes, and that's actually something I want to talk about um, too, because I haven't seen um, them yet. I haven't got there. I didn't actually even finish Act One. So, totally agree with your assessment of the 3D being the definitive of the definitive version, and uh, the 2D, especially for us older players. That you know, Liam and I started with the original ones, but I think there's definitely a line in the DQ fandom, as you said, you know, a lot of people's childhood was Dragon Quest Eight, And it seems like you either played that one on the, you got your membership through uh, Nintendo Power and got the free copy, or you started with Dragon Quest Eight. That's 
or now we're having a lot of people start with uh, Smash. Yeah, yeah. Well, I accidentally missed the Nintendo one and got it a couple of, I guess, a couple of months early. Or, so, or uh, the sucker who bought it early. Yeah, so you're, you're <laughs> the sucker who bought it before it was offered free. Yeah. Uh, what I'm glad there wasn't a lot of people like you, or I wouldn't have got it from Dragon. Uh, what is it? The Nintendo Power for free. Yeah. yeah. If there were more of you in the world, there would not be. <laughs> yeah, there. Were, if 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 more people bought it to begin with, then we might not have had gotten it for free, and that's where the majority of people. Yeah, that's true. That's an interesting paradox. That's where it became popular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna move this question up a little bit then. Um, so the they added some extra story bits to the game in Act Two. Um, have you got to those? How, how do you feel yeah. about? Those? Yeah, I, I just finished those recently. Here's my my thoughts on the extra story elements in Act Two. At first, I thought, oh, you know, new new story, new new chapters. It's got to be positive because it's new stuff, right? My my thoughts on this is that it actually kind of ruins the game a little bit. I think it's actually not a good thing that these are added into the game. And uh, let me explain. Essentially, uh, after uh, are we spoiling the game in this in this podcast? That's <laughs> fine now. I you know what? At this point, we can say, you know, everybody, you've either played. I, I highly doubt anybody's listening to this this far into it that hasn't at least known Sack Chief quite a bit played dragon quest 11 quite a bit if you are new if you are not gonna want to hear anything you know may, maybe hit mute for a while <laughs> or not yeah. mute but uh hit pause for a while I, I think it's safe to go ahead and spoil some stuff from here on out all right let's let's start spoiling stuff now yeah ba- basically um act uh, at the end of act one there's three acts in dragon quest 11 at end of act one you know you get to Drazil, the bad guy comes, he beats all you guys, you all get separated, you're not sure if everyone's alive, you're all alone, it seems very lonely, you have nobody in the world. This is very deliberate, the way this is all planned, the way the feel is, the fact that you don't know if your friends are still alive, you're going out there looking for them, it's like a very hopeless feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, right. And these new story uh, chapters, they do fit well, they, they, there's not no inconsistencies or you know uh, canon uh, discrepancies or anything like that, they fit well. But I feel like they should have been saved for the end as an optional end thing that you play at the end of the game rather than right after. Because, first of all, they're very choppy. They t- they drag on a lot. They're not very quick. They are kind of a little bit boring, if you ask me. And the worst thing is they confirm that all these characters are still alive when you were thinking, oh, what happened to them? Are they still alive? There's no there's no doubt about it that that's Silvando and Eric and uh, who else was uh, had a chapter... Uh, rab, mm-hmm. rab, yeah, right, right. So it ruins, it completely ruins the surprise of finding these characters again. In my opinion, I think that these chapters are, uh, you know, they ruin the entire the the tension of the game. They ruin the pacing. I I don't like them one bit. I don't think they really belonged in in, in this part of the game. Right after the Luminary gets separated, I think it should have. After you got separated, you wake up as a fish. Then you go looking for your friends. You have no clue where they are. That's a better way of presenting the story rather than giving you these uh, explanations right off the bat. If they if they were going to include those in, I think they should have let you do it like later, like later on after everyone's together. You can see what they were up to later on. Uh, otherwise, it's it, it it's just unnecessary. I think I think it's not a very good thing, and I think it should be an optional. I, I, that's one one problem I have with the Switch version. If you ask me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I've actually I heard that. I know Austin's mentioned that, um, both on Twitter and on Dragon Quest FM. Um, not having seen him for myself, that was definitely something I was going to actually replay in 3D mode 
um, when I go through it with my 2D playthrough. That'll be something I actually definitely want to see in 3D. But yeah, I've not really heard people like, woohoo, thank God they added this. This is what the game was missing. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. Uh, did did uh, did they add a 2D fish mode? I wasn't playing the I wasn't playing the 2D mode, so I'm not really sure if they did. Huh? Oh, okay, and Platy, you didn't get that far. That'd be interesting. I, 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 that's a good question. Yeah, I haven't got that far to uh, explore that yet. You know what they didn't do in 2D was the horse race. Oh yeah, I they didn't. I meant that. No, yeah, didn't. that I, I I was like expecting to do like a little NES SNES. That horse race cool, thing, yeah. and then all of a sudden the loading screen came up, and there it was, like 3D. just like it was on my PS4, and I'm like, whoa, that was a bit jarring. Did they replace you know it I mean? with anything, or oh, it it just shifts you back to 3D the mode? 3D, yeah. It goes oh, it just goes, yeah. I mean, they did a. I mean, hey, I can't, I can't fault them. They did a whole lot of stuff for that 2D mode, but yeah, that that wasn't done at all. I wonder if they, hmm. I wonder if that's on the 3DS version in any way, shape, or form in 2D mode. Hmm. So, I have not explored the 3DS version enough. I've uh, loaded it up a couple times here and there, but same. Knowing that you know, by the time I was ready to do that and take some time with it, we knew that the 2D mode was then coming to the Switch, and I was like, nope, I, I'm not going to fumble through with no knowledge whatsoever of Japanese. I'll just see what we get. And yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's not it's not worth spending another 50, 60 hours of not understanding what I'm reading line by line to uh, go through that mode or on the 3DS. It would be nice to play the 3DS version one day, though, I think Um, it would be cool, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know uh, the biggest difference between having that and uh, the 3DS version and the switch is how another thing that kind of isn't what everybody expected it to be on the switch but on the 3ds version of the game you could go between modes at i think any church anywhere any anywhere and it'd go pretty quick it'd be like boom you're, you're now in the other mode right whereas right. here here on the switch uh, it takes you to certain story beats you know you That's can problem switch had, yeah. it yeah yeah i mean you can move between the versions at the church or the save points but then you have to pick, like, hey, do you want to go back to when you jumped off that waterfall or when you met this character or when you did this or when you did that? So it's very rare that you're doing it right at the same moment and right at the same story beat. So that would be hilarious if they did like the 2D cutscenes with like the 8 to 16 bit versions of them jumping off the waterfall. <laughs> You know, or like jumping, jumping off the uh, that it would it would kind of I would have to imagine it would kind of look like South Park. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that's something I know. Uh, Yangus played all the way I think through Galapagos and uh, on the 3DS. He's got his Japanese 3DS and he had the, he imported the game and kind of played along. Just that uh, maybe as he was doing the uh, PS4 version, so he kind of knew what was going on, or maybe a little earlier or whatever. But he said, "Yeah, he could just switch back and forth whenever he wanted." Nice. All right. So speaking so, of character designs for uh, for DQ11, um, what was what was your favorite? Did you like Did you like the character designs for DQ11? And and uh, yeah, um, I do like some of the character designs for DQ11. Uh, they're not, they're, they're probably not my favorite in the whole series, but some of them are neat looking. I like the way Veronica looks. I like her little hood and all that. She, she's a good, well-designed character. 
if she's fun to draw and all that. Um, the luminary, uh, he leaves a little bit to be desired. I think his his outfit could have been a little bit cooler. Maybe I like his his end end game outfit with the crown and the and you know the luminary logo. I like his end game outfit a lot more than his starting outfit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Serena, um, you know Eric, those guys, uh, their outfits are cool, but I feel like the the alternate outfits you you change into are a little bit nicer in this game. Yeah, I kind of wondered, like, do they make it bland just so you can have those extra outfits and get that excitement? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, my uh, Now, some of my favorite designs, I like the way Jade looks a lot. I really like her green outfit, and uh, it, it's really cool looking, Jade's outfit. And uh, Rab has a really great character design as well, the way he looks, the way the kind of uh, feeling you get from looking at him, the way his character is designed in general. Toriyama, he's like a master of of the craft you know he knows how to how to design a character what kind of vibe you get from them but just just by looking at them and uh mm-hmm. it, it, it it works every character's personality reflects their the way their appearance is and it, it works very well hendrick you know he's got this big uh, kind of gruff guy like and he's a guy very serious uh, personality it, it, it's all it's all they all have great personalities i'm being honest they all they all look great they all their personalities all work really well um, yeah i don't so know what, if this is oh i was gonna no, say go something ahead. real quick um I don't know if it's my favorite cast in all of the Dragon Quest games, but I think it's maybe the cast that doesn't have any low points for me. Yeah, yeah, I, th- you know? I, I agree with that. Uh, I think I personally do think it's the best cast in the Dragon Quest games because they all all the characters kind of interact with each other. They all acknowledge each other a little more than you're you're, you're kind of used to. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, a little bit of camaraderie between them. They all feel like friends. It's 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 cool. Yeah. They, it, I think it's a great cast of characters, and they all they're all really good. If I'm being honest, I think this is probably the best cast of characters Dragon Quest has ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like um, the cast from four a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like personality and how they interact, they definitely stepped it up with eleven. Yeah. Um, so, what's your favorite four person party? All right, my first four person party. Um, I keep the luminary there, even though you don't you don't really have to keep him. But uh, he's he's a good guy, I think, with his sword of light and all that stuff. So luminary is the leader, of course. Uh, Eric is the second hand man. He's got these crazy uh, moves that you have to have on you. And then, of course, I have to have Serena because she's this crazy healer girl who does all his healing, all this sort of stuff. And I have Jade in there. It's usually Jade or Silvando, depending on what what I need for the moment. What, what I like is the fact that Eric and the Luminary have this really crazy um, prep move called Scorched Earth, where you make a, uh, like a, a magical circle underneath the enemy, and it, it gives them crazy damage every single time they try moving. So I think they mm-hmm. work as a really good team. I, th- I think Luminary, Eric, uh, Serena, and Jade are a really good four-person team. Cool. Nice. I, I, I have a hard time arguing with that. There's so many good builds and i'll have to say in dragon quest 11 and i've done it with the s2 i find myself it's kind of like whoever i have going right then seems to work really good i mean i almost always have serena and the hero um but then yeah i mean eric is where i is awesome and silvando's in there for some extra healing sometime or jade is uh, i'm more of a physical attacker person in role-playing games i like that so definitely works but 
it, just going back to what we were talking about before without any low points, like if somebody gets knocked out or somebody's at low health or low MP and I got to switch them out, like I find myself 20 minutes later like, oh, oh, I just kind of forgot to put who I had in there back because whoever I replace them with is pretty darn good themselves. Right. It's a good cast. So uh, what do you think about the whole, and this kind of is not just the definitive version, but what do you think about the whole overarching story of Dragon Quest Eleven? What do you think, where does this stand in the, uh, of all the games in Dragon Quest? So uh, where does it stand as, as a, a story, like as a story among all the other Dragon Quest games that we're asking? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the story and where do you think it stands with the other ones? Okay, so Dragon Quest XI, I think, has... It's a story that is... It embodies what I look for in a game. It's not complicated. It's 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 a simple story on the surface, but when you go uh, when you look in deep into it, it has these deep characters, a lot of meaning, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of themes that you can understand if you if, if you play the game and you kind of just try to think a little bit about it, uh, about it, you know, these themes about hero- heroism, about uh, bravery, about uh, you know, doing the right thing, about like never giving up, things like that. And I think I, I appreciate that kind of story in a, in a video game rather than something really complicated. Uh, so, Dragon Quest Eleven is one of my favorite stories in the game because it is a story designed for. I, I know a lot of people say, "Oh, if you're new to Dragon Quest, you should jump into Eleven. I I really don't agree with that. I think Dragon Quest Eleven is a game made for people who are longtime fans of the series because. This is a, a game that has throwbacks to the original series, to, to the original trilogy on the on the NES. It has this, it maintains the same kind of simple simplicity of it, while you know giving you these characters on the, on the surface that you can understand. And it, it's not it's not it's not hard to grasp. Any people of all ages can understand Dragon Quest Eleven and can walk away with whatever message Dragon Quest Eleven teaches them. And I really like what happens late game in the story, the way it ties into the original trilogy. It really you know, it, it gets you really emotional if you're a fan of Dragon Quest. This game really does get, kind of give you those kind of feelings. And as, an, as a longtime fan, you can really appreciate the story more than uh, somebody who's new to, this, to the franchise. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah, I, I think you definitely, with the with the nostalgic elements in, built into the game, I think you get a lot more out of it if you played some of the earlier games first, particularly the uh, the Erdrick trilogy. Um but I, I think it's I think it's still a good jumping off point for new fans to just kind of dive in. Like this or eight is is a really good starting point for like what a modern Dragon Quest game is like. Right. Um, you know, with the 3D battle perspective, because I I don't know that everyone, every modern, every new modern player to for DQ is gonna really get the classic style of like a of a one through seven and i mean like seven for psx um yeah i don't know Pl- platy what do you what are your feelings on that i i feel that i i see this actually in the uh, legend of heroes game community as well whereas uh with trails in the sky trails of cold steel that just had its big um trails of cold steel 3 release that you've got half the fans like oh yeah just jump into the Trails of Cold Steel, play it, and then you've got half the community like, oh my god, if you don't play Trails in the Sky, one, two, three, if you don't play the machine fan translation of the never-released-in-the-United-States PSP games, then, oh, you're not going to get what's going on in Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 and 3. You won't enjoy it. It it depends on the player. I think it really depends on the player. Um, Yeah, it'd be hard to recommend for 
maybe a 16, 17 year old kid who's played a lot of first person shooters and only 3D games their whole life to pull out your mobile phone and start with Dragon Quest one. Yeah, you're going to get more out of it. But I mean, we're, we're fans of the whole series. We're we're going to get a lot out of going in order and knowing that. So I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have a hard time for every single person recommending go straight through. But 100% agree with you're going to get twice, three times the enjoyment, the content, the smiles, the giggles here and there, knowing the history, going through all of that um, to get before you play Dragon Quest Eleven. But it, it, it's hard to recommend a, uh, you know, a three, four, five hundred hour prologue before you plug this in. But excellent story. Yeah, no, Definitely I, excellent yeah, story. I, mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. Um, all right. You want to? Go ahead and ask that, Liam, or I will. Either way, moving moving along. <laughs> um, no, you go, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so, uh, Sack Chief, what was your favorite riding mount in the game? Or if or have you met any of the new ones in Dragon Quest Eleven? Oh, you mean like the, the slime knight where you're bouncing around? Oh, right? yeah. yeah. That one. <laughs> that was neat. I like that one. You know, somebody on Twitter mentioned this. They said it was funny how... Uh, if you take any of your mount to the the campsite and you sleep for the night, your mount will be sitting in the uh, the, the pen where your horse would be, be sitting normally, right? Um, oh my! Yeah, I remember. I don't that. think I ever noticed that. Oh, you never yeah. noticed that? I yeah. did not notice that. Nope. Uh, well, 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 what people were saying was um, the slime knight. When when you do when you when you have him in the pen, uh, he's uh, the slime is sitting in the pen, and the knight himself is standing in the pen. Even though it's like a knight, he's like a sentient creature. He's like standing. He's like standing in the pen by himself, by himself with, the, with the slime. Like he's not even sitting like around the fireplace with you guys. Uh, people thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I remember. I think on the Questers Rest uh, chat talking about whether or not that was an actual toy or an actual like monster. The right. the the uh, the the knight of, of the slime knight. Right, because Rocket Slime makes it seem like it's a fake. It's like a hollow armor thing that is just sitting on top of. Like, isn't that what Rocket Slime says? Yes. Yeah. I could, just playing Mori Mori three a couple months ago. It's just something you pick up, and once you pick it up, you can hit a button and s- slash. But I mean, he, it's just like a weapon sitting on the ground, right? Not a uh, character necessarily. But in eleven, you see those things walking around though, so that's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, I so. think the slime the slime knight is probably my favorite riding mount. <laughs> nice. And and it's like Sack Chief said earlier you're like yeah you are just hanging on <laughs> mm-hmm. or you you were you, you, you on top and the knight's hanging on yeah you're on top knight's hanging oh, off the side they, they say, yeah. <laughs> nice and, and now i remember yanga saying this but is it in the game with the with the golem and he's like holding you or you're yeah, on yeah. his shoulder that, or something like that, that that's a new one also i saw that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i, I think haven't I, found I, that one but that's pretty funny you're, you're on his shoulders right i think i did see that Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome to do in real life. Walk around <laughs> a giant shoulder. <laughs> so, any anything graphically wrong with the Switch version? I mean, obviously it's not the PS4, but like, how do you think the average player will feel about the the graphical difference on Switch? Uh, it's it's not quite as good. It's because the Switch doesn't run Unreal Engine four very well, and that's what the PC version is running. Um, things are different about the switch version the graphics themselves are toned down the textures are a little bit different looking uh it has this kind of blurry kind of anti-aliasing looking thing going on 
Uh, it's not 60 frames per second. It's 30 frames per second. It's not. It's not nearly as good. Like playing it on the PC and playing it on the Switch, it's day and night. PC version looks so much better. The Switch version has all these new features and all that that it put it push it above the PC version. Uh, one thing I will say though is uh, in docked mode, it's a little in handheld mode. I mean, it's in, it's a little uh, disappointing how blurry it looks. Kind of, it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. They're trying their best, you know. The Switch is not that powerful. Uh, getting a game of this kind of scale and magnitude to to look that good on the Switch, it's impressive as it is, and I'm not gonna fault them for it. You know, there's still shadows. There's still it's it's not it's not like a Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS where it looks really really different. It looks close enough mm-hmm. that I can't fault them too much. So I think it looks it looks good for the for the for the hardware that they're working on. I think it looks fine. Is it a Switcher level? A Switcher level. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so many people like just amazed that they got what which is it Witcher three to run on the uh, Switch recently. Is that the one that they ported to that? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I haven't seen a lot of videos as much as uh the new Pokemon videos too. Like, oh look at this! This person disappears when you turn sideways. You know, but there's a. <laughs> There's a lot more salty uh, Pokemon fans out there than there are uh, Dragon Quest people picking on the Switch version. Yeah, uh, at least po- over the past week. Yeah. 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 Well, the Pokemon fans, uh, they're they're in a tough spot right now. They, they're they're in a spot we've never been in before. You know, uh, having this kind of uh, I, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't look good. Their new game, it looks kind of crappy to be honest. The way the, the way the graphics look on the Switch, it looks last gen. They're cutting all those Pokemon out. If I if I had a really crappy Dragon Quest game and I'd have to defend it, being like this, you know, the uh, the fan club president, I I would I would be kind of salty too. But I, I I you know at least we're not in that situation, you know. Oh, if only crappy Dragon Quest games sold six million copies in a week. Would that... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a horrible problem to have? Yeah. Uh... So, do you have any favorite moments in the game overall? Uh. Any favorite moments? Yeah, um, my favorite moment in the game is uh, my overall favorite moment in the game is the final cutscene. I think that that's like the most amazing ending of any game I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I honestly think they knocked, they nailed it completely. The way it ties back, the way it appeals, it, the way it kind of it's speaking to old Dragon Quest fans, saying, "Hey, listen, you've been waiting thirty years for this game. Here it is." Like, do, do you get what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely a, a big thank you to the fans. I know, right? It's, it's yeah, it's and, and it's acknowledging, you know, it's saying oh, we're spoiling right now, right? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're still spoiling. Okay, we're hey, spoiling. if you were expecting no spoilers, turn us off, turn us off. We're still yeah. spoiling. Okay, so <laughs> at, at the end, when the egg dragon says you are Erdrick, I was like, holy shit, really? Like uh, I was waiting for because I didn't know what was going to happen, right? It was compl- I was completely mm-hmm. blind. I was wondering, how does this tie back to the Erdrick trilogy? The Luminaries, the original Erdrick, and they use the word Erdrick, and that's just the NES, you know, it's like the original fans from the 1988 release or 90s, whatever. They're like, hey, listen, this is the game you've been waiting for. You're a longtime Dragon Quest fan. This is it. This is where it all began. This is the origin of Erdrick. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, that was so awesome. Like, people who are new to Dragon Quest they don't it's, it's they're not gonna get it as much as we do who we uh, you know like the first time you saw that how'd you feel like honestly it was, it was a dragon quest 3 moment you know yeah. I, I played them all as they released on the nes back in the day and i mean there was really no good way to be spoiled for dragon quest 3 so i had that dragon quest 3 moment sitting in my bedroom um 
oh my god, like, I'm Erdrick. I'm the guy they've been talking about the past two games. That's my armor. That's my helmet. <laughs> and my helmet. <laughs> yep. It's such so, a cool moment. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had, haven't had that kind of Dragon Quest moment in 20 years, 25 years. So really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just glad that moment was never, wasn't, wasn't ruined for me. It was just perfect. I saw that cutscene. That cutscene is just so awesome. The way it ties back, the way it brings up a lot of questions as to, uh, is there a Dragon Quest timeline? How does this fit in? Like, uh, yeah, it brings <laughs> up a lot of that. Yeah, we're, we're we're venturing into Zelda territory. It's not quite we that talk bad. About <laughs> chronology <laughs> and like just the image of them putting that book on the shelf, being the eleventh book on the shelf, too, in the ending, mm-hmm. just acknowledges. And now with the Tickington and the there's a lot. To, and, yeah, there's a lot yeah, to that, talk about. That, yeah, I mean that just there's so much. And, and this version, I think, with all that, it, it it's even more of a big hey. Remember all this kind of stuff. Right, right. It's... Yeah, so Dragon Quest XI's ending, it's a great ending. It's a good ending that speaks to the fans of the series, the longtime fans. They, the localization team did not did not let us down. They made sure to give us all our little little inside jokes, all the, all the little, um, you know, little, little things here and there and they, during the ending credits, all that stuff. Uh, the ending cutscene brings up a lot of questions also in regards to timeline theories and we were talking about this also there's a lot to talk about in regards to timelines because dragon quest 11 establishes itself as the first in, th- in the timeline you know luminary is the first erdrick uh i just thought that was a great moment and honestly uh, it couldn't have been better it couldn't have been done better it was just it's, it's just a very emotional moment i think that's all agreed agreed yeah so, um, shifting off of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven for a second. Um, so, what type of uh, DQ videos are you currently working on right now? So, um, for the next month, I've got a few DQ videos where I'm working on. Uh, now, every Friday, I upload a Dragon Quest Eleven Let's Play episode. Uh, that's kind of what I do. Um, but uh, that's that's just to keep people, uh, you know, busy watching my videos. I usually mm-hmm. try to work on a little bit of a bigger project. Um, I'm working on currently a kind of a price guide for Dragon Quest games, like. NES games and all that. I'm going to talk about which game is the rarest. That's kind of one I'm I'm thinking of making. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through each one and talk about how uh, valuable they are as a collector's item. And I think people might, might enjoy that because I got that question a lot from a lot of people. Okay. Uh, I'm working on uh, a feature on Dragon Quest fan-made games. Uh, that one I hope to get out soon. I'm going to go through all the fan games on Buddhist that I found that I downloaded. And you know we'll take a look and see which one's the best one. And I want to eventually rank all of the uh, spin-offs for Dragon Quest. Nice. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that recently because I started playing uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters. The Monster series is one that I haven't really gotten into over the years, and I'm trying to really just sit down and give it a shot. But as I'm playing through it, I'm like, I, I wonder how this ranks if I rank the spin-off franchises as a, as a whole, like like you know, Torneco series and monster series and slime Mori Mori um, versus like, if you just take out the individual games and say like, well, this is the best game you know, and, and then just go all the way down to the bottom. Um, Cause you could probably come up with a bunch of different um, combinations that way too. So that should be interesting. Right. Have you um, ever played caravan hearts? Uh, yeah, I played it recently, actually uh, my game, my game boy advance. I have a, a Game Boy Advance flashcard. So I was playing some Caravan Hearts. 
you know, it's it's a bit of a it's kind of a weird game because uh, you know I, I like games where you can walk around the town and and that kind of stuff. And Caravan Hearts, you can't really do that. It's like a little menu you have. It, it's mm. cool. It's cool when you when you think about the Dragon Quest timeline though, because it, it it adds a lot to that. Um, so uh, have you guys played it? I have. I played through it at least twice completely. Okay. No, that's it, that's Dragon Warrior Mon- or Dragon Quest Monsters Three with Kiefer. Right. Yeah, with, with Kiefer. Kiefer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played it yet. Uh, you know something I I noticed that's kind of cool. Um, in Dragon Quest Seven, Dragon Warrior Seven, whatever, uh, when you first find a monster after going to the pass of slime, the kids are freaking out. They don't know what the heck it is. It's Maribel's like, "What is that thing?" Because they've never seen a monster before, right? Mm-hmm. And Keeper's like, "Oh, that's a monster." And she's like, "How do you know that's a monster?" And he kind of brushes it off. And I'm thinking like. Damn, it's it's because of Caravan Hearts. He knows what that's a monster, right? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some continuity there. <laughs> yeah, they, they thought they thought about that, right? Uh, I, I I just realized that. I and then at some point, his level goes back down to one, so he could start Dragon Quest Seven. Yeah, he got lazy <laughs> over the years <laughs> for reasons. He discovered girls. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The prince got to keep busy, right? So, uh, so when do you typically uh, stream or post? Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's the weekend mostly. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Matt, can you think of any other? I was gonna say, questions? what other uh, series, what other games do you enjoy when you're not playing Dragon Quest? Lately, it's been so much Dragon Quest lately. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like I don't what think. Is, yeah, what is not playing Dragon Quest? I can't remember the last time I played something that wasn't Dragon Quest. Like, I'm, I'm going nuts. <laughs> I'm going insane. Okay. I've just been so busy. I'm playing like seven. I'm playing eleven. I'm playing three. I'm playing six simultaneously right now. It's it's bad. Uh, I do like <laughs> other games. I do like other games. Contrary to popular belief, I do play other stuff besides Dragon Quest. Um, let me let me think though. Uh, I like the <laughs> I, I like the Persona series a lot. I like Persona Four a lot. I play that I play that several times actually. Persona Four Golden on my Vita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that game. Um, I bought Fire Emblem Three Houses this year. I actually own that. Um, I played that for ten hours and I dropped it because DQ Eleven came out. And I, <laughs> I, had to, I had to drop it, right? So, uh, yeah, um, me and my sister chipped in to buy that, so we kind of like co ownership in it. And I have to give it to her in like a couple months when my my time share is over. <laughs> and I'm not done yet, so I got to get into that. I like Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is cool. It's like it's very similar to, to Dragon Quest. I think there could be a lot of camaraderie between the Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy fan bases, and not Final Fantasy, F- Fire Emblem. Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest fans hate each other. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Fire Emblem. Uh, yeah, Fire Emblem. It's, it's it's really cool. It reminds me a lot of Dragon Quest. I like I like Three Houses a lot from what I've played. Um, I want to play a little more of that. I enjoy that game quite a bit. I think that kind of fandom and that kind of support would be great from because I mean that that series was kind of dying off. And it got, re- especially in the West, and it got renewed years ago. And just now it's, I mean, it's it's not selling like Final Fantasy, but it, like you said, Three Houses, that came out and uh, following a lot of RPGs, that, that was big news. That was a big deal for a while um, and still is. I mean, I've got friends that play RPGs and almost all of them got Three Houses. They love right. that. Yeah. So, um- yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like we need to get our three houses, you know, because three houses is kind of like, like, I think Awakening, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening is kind of like our Dragon Quest Eleven. It kind of reignited mm-hmm. a, li- a little bit of interest. Dragon Quest Twelve, I think, is going to be our Fire Emblem Three Houses where everyone's going to go nuts over it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That, that'd that be great. That'd be great. Speaking, you know, thinking of Fire Emblem being a uh, 
tactical or strategical RPG. That's kind of one thing that Dragon Quest hasn't gone to yet. You know, we, Liam, you're talking about ranking the different kinds of uh, sub-series games. You know, we've got, you know, action RPG with um, the Heroes games, and you've got the monster collecting games, and you've got the uh, Mystery Dungeon games. But we haven't had a, you know, other than the Dragon Quest Wars, wasn't that it? On the Yeah, yeah, I was just yeah. going to say. Yeah, there yeah. is that kind of, it's, it's almost like an Advanced Wars clone. Correct, yeah. Yeah. I never got to play that. I've always wanted to. We oh well, you know, I've probably put about three hours into it total. <laughs> I I went through all the quote unquote story missions and uh that was about it. Um but like I think Dragon Quest tactics might be an awesome thing, you know. That would be cool, I, yeah. I mean Final Fantasy Tactics holds a lot of good memories for the Final Fantasy fandom. And anybody who enjoys tactical games, I know that's always talked about as one of the greatest ones. Um, so, yeah, that could be the next subgenre area. I think that Dragon Quest could expand into. And I'm still waiting for Heroes 3. I'm waiting for Eric and Monsters. But I'm not a big fan of the genre myself. But I'd play Dragon Quest 1. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Would you play yeah. Dragon Dragon Quest Kart? <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes somebody actually somebody on the uh on the builders group i know we mentioned them like once every podcast somebody built the rainbow road and oh i think God. they would they put they put um uh the train tracks so you could actually like i guess you could hop in and multiplayer and race but they probably all go the same speed so i don't i guess it's whoever hits x first <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy i i would i would play that I know the Puff Puff Hour guys. They they loved that cart and. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, the Bashmobile. The Bashmobile. Yeah. <laughs> I keep talking about it. They talked about it when I was on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would play any game genre if Dragon Quest was attached to it. If I, I'm not even into, into MMOs, but if Dragon Quest Ten comes over, I will be the biggest, uh, you know, freaking uh, fat neck beard in the basement playing that all day long. <laughs> I'm not fat, but you know, I'll become fat though. Yeah, I was gonna say you might be. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we'll get we'll get uh we'll we'll be like um Cartman when they get hooked on World of Warcraft. Yeah, it'd be like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh uh, I, I think that's uh, I'm I'm out of questions. Liam, you got anything else? Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, Sack Chief, you wanna do a little uh, self promotion, anything you wanna talk uh, about? Yeah, so um you guys, uh everyone listening I run a uh, Dragon Quest uh, YouTube-centric YouTube channel. I have a Discord server as well, and I have a Twitter um, a Twitter account where I post, you know, Dragon Quest jokes, Dragon Quest, uh, you know, little trivia, little clips, uh, unknown clips, things like that. I post a lot of Dragon Quest content. I'm one of the, uh, you know, bigger Dragon Quest YouTubers people usually try to go to to learn more about the series. If you want to learn more, you know, you can always talk to me. I always respond. And uh, that's about it. I'm, I've got a lot of cool projects in the future. I hope to see you on my channel. Excellent. And in the show notes, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, go ahead and click. We got a couple of his links right there. Um, but yeah, thanks for being on. I think that's about it for this episode. Uh, we've had a ball sack, Chief. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us on <laughs> Slime Time today. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Th- thanks so much, Sack Chief. Just Platty, I saw what you did there. You just wanted to say ball sack on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Sack Chief, for joining us today. You can check out Sack Chief's videos on YouTube and check out his posts on Twitter at Sack Chief. 
Yes, uh, you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention Patreon on here is when we say we don't use Patreon. Um, we're just some longtime fans that want to speak about the game series we know and love so much. If you do have some money you'd like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at wudis.com slash den and click on the button that says support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site for over 20 years and would appreciate any do donation that you have. Um, don't want to just directly send some money his way. Use his Amazon affiliate links. He's got a bunch of them on there for pretty much any Dragon Quest game that is available on Amazon. Doesn't cost you a thing, but throws him a few cents here and there. Um, perhaps you want to order Dragon Quest XI-S, which we've been talking about tonight. And some of that money will go to support the den. And if you're an advertiser and you're looking for a hip new podcast to spend lots of ad revenue on, reach out to us at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us on Twitter at platym 3 or at Riamu Celestrian, or hit us up both simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in on tons of uh, Dragon Quest discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining DQ forums still around. Uh, find it on Dragon's Den main page or at wudis.com slash forums. We'd like to thank everyone that made this possible, like Brian, a.k.a. Woodis, for his support of the series and this podcast, and keeping the Dragon's Den's lights on for decades now. And thanks to Amanda Laprie and the Descendants of Erdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Erdrick is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard, check them out. And their most recent advent, uh, ad, their ugh, their most recent album, Advent, um, on uh, at descendantsofurdrick.com or on Twitter at D of Erdrick. Or go see their band leader Amanda Laprie live on tour as a guitarist for Andrew WK. Um, so the band recently had an issue with their van breaking down, so they are accepting donations right now as well if you have uh, any money you'd like to donate to help them uh, because they're unable to tour at this time, or at least they're not able to uh, drive very far for their tours so um if you do uh go to their um website or go to their their twitter and see mentions of that uh feel free to donate to them uh to help them uh get back on their touring all right good to know that and uh not good that that happened but thanks for letting us know yeah <laughs> Thanks also to Dwayne Bullock, our wonderful graphic artist and Dragon Quest fan, for making this awesome artwork cover that we have for the podcast. Uh, Dwayne was on the original iteration of the Slime Time podcast, and he was on it a few episodes ago. You can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or on his website, DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. And if you're looking for more DQ podcasts, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Please also check out our fellow Dragon Quest podcasts available like Puff Puff Hour and Dragon Quest FM. All right. Bye, everyone. DQ Slime Time, sliming off. Thanks again, Sack Chief. Yeah, thanks for having me. 